darling, we're the young ones, and the young ones shouldn't be afraid to live love while the flame is strong. 'Cause we may not be the young ones very long. Tomorrow, while we don't till tomorrow. 'Cause tomorrow. Hi everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to the fifth installment of the Young Animal Gatherum. This week's a special one. We've got all four books in the Young Animal line, plus a special segment uh, where it was a uh, state of the imprint address that we gave. We didn't realize that we were halfway through these first volumes, but uh, I guess luck was on our side. Uh, we've got Mother Panic 5 and Doom Patrol number 5. Both of those originally aired on March 26, 2017. Shade the Changing Girl number 7. That one originally aired on April 9, 2017. That State of the Imprint Address, it's a, it's a decently long segment, and that one originally aired on April 16, 2017. And then we'll wrap it all up with Cave Carson as a Psychedelic Eye number 7, which originally aired on April 23rd, 2017. This one's a bit longer. Uh, it's going to be a little over two hours this week, but uh, we hope you dig the content, especially that state of the imprint address. That was uh, a lot of fun to pull all the data and uh, give some off-the-cuff thoughts on, you know, the first half of these initial volumes or initial season of Young Animal, even though we didn't know that that was a thing just yet. Uh, Next week, we also have all four books, plus the introduction of our fifth book. That's the Bug, the Adventures of Forager miniseries. That one launches next week. And uh, we hope you stick around for that. And we hope you enjoy this one. Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Oh, I need you. Welcome back to the Young Animal segment. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have two Young Animal books, both with the same issue number. That shouldn't really happen, should it, Chris? Never. That's that should something never really uh, yeah, went off the rails <laughs> here a little bit, but uh, we, we do have them for you. One, neither of which that we really expected. But, uh, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> what's, the, what's the first one we got? Well, I, I figured we might do a Doom Patrol first, but since we've been waiting so long, we might as well keep them waiting a yeah, little longer. we'll wait a little bit longer for that one. <laughs> so we're going to start with Mudda Panic. Uh, we're going to go from the sublime to the ridiculous or back around. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, what, Broken Things Part 2. That's right. Written by Jody Hauser with art by Sean Crystal and Jean-Francois Boulot. Or Boulou. Here we learn that once there was a boy who wanted to be a prince, and the fine folks at Gatherhouse chopped his face up real nice so he might look the part, or something. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's what I'm getting from the image here. Yeah, he was Uh, messed up over at Gatherhouse, yeah. (laughs) They they, they screwed him up good. Uh, In the present, Mother Panic and her new pal, Pretty, are chatting atop the building where one might assume Pretty lives, because she leaves him there. Uh, when Pretty starts acting like the two might be pals, Mother Panic panics, 
and leaves. She splits. Yeah. Uh, she heads over to Dr. Varma's place, who looks to me a little, a little different than, than I remember her being. But uh, uh, Maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe we're remembering the first artist more, but I can't. I think that's probably yeah. it. Now, she shares a, a story of her findings. You know, she found uh, who was at Layton's place where uh, it was all dolled up to be a, a, you know, a kid's fantasy amusement park with arcade games and uh, playground equipment. Yeah. Uh, so she shares the findings with Doc and the Doc's new intern, which you figure that might not be the best idea. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's uh, a mole or some kind. Yeah. And he looked very sinister, and he and he like <laughs> he squirted the hypodermic juice all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you know she does that, she checks in, and then she heads home to check in with Mama Panic. That's right. And of course, she's always in her interior, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland garden yes. of uh, never-ending psychedelic delights. And uh, it's actually a scene where Violet doesn't look like an asshole for once. She approaches mm-hmm. the door to her mother's wacky room and overhears a one-sided conversation, which is what she usually hears going on in there. It's just mom talking to something. Uh, instead of cutting her finger and writing over the walls with her blood or just shouting obscenities, Violet just drops to one knee and closes her eyes. And it's as though the pressure is finally getting to her, or at least she's finally allowing it to show, dealing with cuckoo mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, she enters, her mother's annoyed because the uh, noise scared them off, and Violet assumes she means the roses, which she also talks to the roses, but uh, mom's annoyed by that, it's not the roses. Uh, she's, mom thinks Violet's still in school, and Violet, she enables that her to believe that, because what is she going to say? What am I, you know, I'm actually a uh, crazy uh, hobgob, <laughs> hobgoblin writing thing, you know what I mean, whatever. <laughs> she, even, she even gives a little smile to it when, when her mom suggests that she's in school. Uh, after Violet takes her leave, we see that mom wasn't talking to the roses, but a group of rats. That sounds familiar. Mm. I think we saw rats before. We did. Uh, now that night, Mother Panic meets back up with Pretty, who can't stop talking in nursery rhymes. Mother Panic punches a wall in annoyance, and for once, I can't blame her for her petulant act here, because this dude seems like a real treat to hang out with. Um, now, they part company with Pretty telling her to meet him atop the Han building the following night. And, of course, he also asks her for a date, because we cannot forget that every man in Gotham really wants to go for that ride. Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, man, I gotta get with Mother Panic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she seems like a, like a great date. What's under that <laughs> chestnut helmet? That's what we want to know. <laughs> And <laughs> Violet leaves and decides it's time for another distraction. And so she dolls herself up and hits the town. Uh, after KOing up either a paparazzi or a pervert, uh, she enters a club and starts dancing with a woman who looks as though she was infected infected by the Joker toxin. Yeah, it, it seems she's awfully thrilled to be there, but uh, you know yes. maybe she's just happy to be around Violet Page. This was a scene too that also kind of like I was like. What you know? I, I, is, is this is this is this a character building scene? I guess you know what I mean. It maybe. Seems, yeah. I guess maybe to encourage the idea that she puts on this vapid exterior or something. But uh, as it is as it is so far for me personally, Chris, I, the exterior and the interior life don't seem to have yeah much of a distinction. You know what I mean? This is not really a Bruce Wayne Batman situation from what I can tell so far. Oh, but, certainly not. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's not supposed to be. Maybe she's uh, just a club going girl. Anyway, as the night draws on, Violet has herself a bit of flashback to the time at to uh, her old time at Gather House when she was a kid. And while she's in dream mode, she pre- she proceeds to beat the holy hell out of her date. Uh, in her thoughts, she's being watched by a nun who tells her she's a perfect candidate for the new program. 
Uh, the scene just ends here, which I, I guess we can assume her dilettante status buys her uh, her way out of any trouble. And we got to figure this isn't the first time something like this has happened, which was my impression also that, you know, she kind of gets over for being, you know, super rich. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe this will come back uh, next issue. She'll uh, get, a, get a lawsuit or something. Yeah, maybe we will find out she this this broad is part of the Joker's gang or something. Maybe, yeah, she, she That's looked, a giant smile. She looked real happy, I'll tell you. <laughs> now, the following night, Mother Panic, uh, she has her uh, meet and greet with Pretty at the Han building. He hands her a sniper rifle and points her to a window across the way. <laughs> That's a hell of a Inside, date. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Inside it lays uh, Leighton's young son. He's uh, sleeping in his bed. Uh, pretty figures that pretty figures that a child for a childhood might order might be a fair trade. Violet doesn't even consider it. She just ain't having it at all. She breaks the rifle over her knee and tells Pretty to f off. And of course, as he as she or he leaves, he says, "This ain't over." I know with the what we the most typical line it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, you, won't, you haven't seen the last of me. You know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we dive back into flashback mode, back to the gather house. We can't say for certain this is Violet having the flashback or just some exposition for the reader, but, uh, we do see gather house back in the day and either pretty or Violet. They're very close. Uh, but I think they're, you know, you think you might see a little bit of breasts, like she's, you know, a teenage, a young teenage, but you know, I wonder if, if this is all part of the, you know, maybe, maybe pretty is a a transgender you know what i mean i you know what i mean it, it, i i feel like it's purposely nebulous here as to who is under yeah. under the knife here um but anyway violet or pretty or they're laying on an op- operating table with a monster face doctors all around i think it's pretty but i think they leave it open, open um, yeah. and one of the doctors doesn't have a monster face why it's our old friend dr varma oh oh no mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, jumped into a scene with Violet having some dessert with her mother. They surprisingly have a very pleasant talk, and we see Violet smile a bit more, which tells me that maybe this asshole persona really is a projection, uh-huh. uh, but it's probably too soon to, to tell. Um, now, after Violet leaves, Mama heads into another room to give a slice of cake to... Hey, it's the Ghetto Pied Piper from the last issue. That's right, the guy that is probably not, but I keep thinking is Ratcatcher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and, and we, we can see a close-up of his face here, and he actually has very ratty features. He does, well. he has little buck teeth, little rat nose. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, before we totally close out, there was a backup, and I think some lady talks to a blind guy in a diner. Yeah, I didn't really give a crap for this backup. No, uh, I'm done with those. It's it's going on, plus, plus the who's who pages we've been getting that I really have no... Feeling one I way think or we've another. gotten those for the past 18 weeks. I feel, like, I feel like we see them so often. I, I the, when we don't see them, I'm gonna be like, "What happened?" You know. I, I, <laughs> I need I, to know what Team Carson I, I is. I need to read this Team Carson thing again. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's gonna get two pages. I, I would, you know, I'd rather them stick this back there than a lot of these backups. You know, I just oh, don't, sure. I have nothing for these backups at all. It doesn't. No. They're not doing anything for me. This this one was less. Uh, immediately offensive than the last one, right? It was yeah. sort of just like a little story. It wasn't the Skioli stuff, yeah. Yeah, but it was. Oh well, that that was a different thing. But this, this is the one with the radio, right? With the. <laughs> oh with the, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. So it, there wasn't we, we so didn't much, see much of, this. of the straw man fella. In there, exactly. You know? Yeah. This was more her talking to the guy, and there's uh, a bigger story going on behind all this. But I don't care about the surface story, so I don't really no. care about the bigger story behind it. I keep waiting for it to kind of tie into Mother Panic somehow, but it doesn't seem to be coming close to it. No, uh, no, except that they're occupying the same world. That's the it. same city. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what did you think of this one uh, overall? 
You know, I'm torn on it because uh, it's it's still not a book I'd be buying if I wasn't reviewing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I'm gonna go back to my old uh, <laughs> my old catch-all. I'm getting optimistic because we are seeing Violet's veneer crack. Um, we are seeing her more as a human character. We're seeing her struggle with uh, having a having to care for her mother. We're seeing that she does find a little bit of happiness in talking with her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but like you know, there is also she she's still not a very pleasant person to see outside of that. Um, but you know, it it could very well go either way. Yeah. <laughs> the next issue could be she could be you know totally cool, or next issue she could be terrible. Well, I mean, uh, the fact that she won't snipe a child is heartening. But, That's but, a step in the right direction. But she yeah. makes that decision right after she blacks out and beats the hell out of a a, a date from the, the club. Woman, so yeah. so then you wonder, you know, like is, is it a wash? You know what I mean? Morally, it's almost like it's almost a wash where it's like, yeah. well, you know, you beat up one person, but you won't shoot a kid. I guess you know, in the end of the day, we keep you out of jail. Um, sure. Yeah, it, I I'm really feeling the same way that you are, and we talked a little bit before this is that we're learning a lot more about Violet Page, which gives us more of an understanding of, you know, mm-hmm. her motivations and even, like, her abilities uh, were getting there. Still don't really understand yeah. them, but we understand that at least they were, you know, fomented by the Gather House. But it's still not a character that we like. No. Um, and that's, I, I think of, and this is something, you know, I, just to make it really easy, you know, when you think of an anti-hero character, like, say, the Punisher, there are a ton out mm-hmm. there. Uh, and it's not my favorite character either, but this is someone who is a kind of a jerk and, you know, uh, a killer or whatever, but motivated by a cl- there's a clear motivation, sure. and he does have a moral code, a distinct sorta. moral code. You know yeah. what I mean? But you believe me, this is this is a point we could sit and argue all day. But <laughs> but that that's the idea. Is the idea. whereas this one, uh, I don't I don't get that. She just seems to be very narcissistic. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like a it's a it's a millennial Punisher. It's uh it's we're gonna I think a lot of this is gonna be blamed on the child. I mean, it already is being blamed on the childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the gather house thing, it's just such a it's just such a trope, you know. It is definitely yeah uh, the uh yeah the, the the school. That's kind of what's happening in Black Widow right now. Actually, I don't know why I keep talking about Marvel books, but uh you know Black. <laughs> it turns out she was raised in like an assassin school, and now all of her old classmates have been sent around the world and she has to go around them up so they don't assassinate people uh mm-hmm. and, and you can think of a million stories like this the kid yeah. you know the, the school is brainwashing the kids to do x y and z and um but you know i don't i don't know if i would deduct too many points for originality in a, in a comic book frankly <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not these days anyway. not these yeah. days you know be like glad, glad you get but but the good thing is is the story really does seem to be coalescing the character at least uh, yeah much more than we we left that first three issue arc like what who <laughs> what is happening that was not good yeah uh, now we are starting to get a clearer picture so I say this book is improving what what score did you give it Chris I gave it a seven out of ten I I think it's a more solid seven than my last seven but, yeah but it's still a seven. I think I, I would really be the same place. I think you could probably nudge me on a good day up to a soft, like a 7.5. Cause it's, it's, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. I find that this new art, this new art team is a lot more readable. Uh, yes. the storytelling is a lot more clear uh, throughout. So, you know, the, the technical aspects of a comic book are there, but I would go all day seven, you know, pretty, pretty resoundly. And I'll be honest, I'm getting to a point now where I feel like these, uh, lethargic pointless backups are starting to detract from my, 
feeling for the book, you know, the yes, the initial excitement you. has worn off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, well, now you're just throwing away. It's only three pages. Let's I mean, mm-hmm. realistically, it's not like they're it's not like half the book is being eaten up by this story. I don't want to read. So I still wouldn't say it's a it's, you know, it wouldn't yeah, keep me from we, getting nothing it. We'd kill points for. But uh... but it it is starting to wear on me where I'm like, well, this is just I, I'd rather see more who's who pages. You know, (laughs) where's my who's who's robot man, you know, or, you know, everybody. Let's see. Let's see her Violet's mother in there. Yeah. Introduce us to that rat guy. That'd be cool. And find out if he is rat catcher. That'd be something. I'd be like, wow, they brought in rat catcher. That'd be awesome. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we both sit at a good seven out of ten, which is the the score is nudging up. You know what I mean? This is it is. um, Who knows? It's we, we both think that the next book will be the last of. The the second arc, and we'll na- make yeah. a neat six issue trade. We haven't I haven't read the solicit because I'm not that uh, good at, at <laughs> you know uh, doing it. But uh, I, I yeah, we feel it's gonna end. And you know, if we end, I think if we end at least with a firm understanding of Violet's uh, abilities and motivations. I mean, now I guess we're thinking her motivations are revenge against the Gather House. Yeah. I, if we get a little more out of it, I, I think we could end this with saying this is a pretty, uh, you know, decent book Serviceable. to get. Serviceable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> appeal to a certain person, but all the, every book in Young Animal. I mean, in, in a broad sense, every comic book. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't walk around recommending Doom Patrol to everyone. I'd be like, you gotta sure. have, you gotta be a little weird. But if you're weird, you probably dig it. Sure. Speaking of which. Hey. A new issue of Doom Patrol came out finally after issue quite, eight, right? quite a long time. It should be. I feel like <laughs> we should be sitting at issue eight, but no, it was merely Doom Patrol number five, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington and Tamara Bonvillain. Uh, so sort of a little catch up as we go along here. Um, now that Casey Brink knows that she's a super powered character from one of Dandy Ambulance's comic books, it's time to assemble the Doomstis League and get this thing really rolling. Uh, so first up, Casey rolls up to Sam's house. If you remember, Sam is that former EMT partner from when, you know, this is really who we started the book with from before Casey mm-hmm. was fired from the hospital. Uh, they need to send Sam to Danny land to save as many people as possible. Remember, the Vector, the aliens, were grinding up Danny Land's people that he created in order to have an endless source of fast food uh, meat. Mm-hmm. So he's hustled into the back of the ambulance, and then he and Ricardo, who is left over from Oolong Island, it's very complicated, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they disappear with a pop they uh, do, they to do. Danny Land, we would say. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, in negative space, that's where we left uh, Larry and Cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry is being bonded with Keeg, the negative being alien thingy. Yeah. Uh, looks a little painful, maybe, maybe a bit shocking. Um, now, Larry... Larry doesn't seem to mind. He's pretty into it. Uh, he says that we do accept, because they did offer him uh, in the last issue three years ago, they did <laughs> offer him uh, where it wasn't it, where he switched lives with him and then he lived his like a, a whole life in the time of the, the negative being was away or something. Yeah, yeah. Because that, 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 we actually see that a bit later on. That's sort of their gift to him is that while the negative being is out, he's going to have a nice dream, essentially. He's going to live an entire lifetime. Yeah. Uh, now, he's magically wrapped in uh, sacred bandages. Uh, these are like the radiation dampening bandages he used to wear, but you know, b- b- probably more sacred, <laughs> a little bit more, uh, <laughs> a yeah. little bit more uh, pious. Uh, now it's time for him to pick out an outfit, which is a great scene because he he puts on this like an amalgamation of like every negative man outfit, even incorporating like the Rebus stuff. Yep. Um, 
So we get like the old Doom Patrol uniform from the Drake Premiani days with the awesome D belt. Uh, the winter coat with the fur-trimmed hood and the cat-eye sunglasses from when he was Rebus during the Morrison and Case run. Uh, Larry thinks it's pretty cool, and I think both of us uh, agree. Yeah, well, uh, it feels you know, very fami- familiar, you know, and it's a good look yes. for him. I like it. Which, which I, th- which uh, the familiarity might be hampering this book a little bit, but I'll get into that a bit later. All right. Uh, now, all the negative space uh, celebrates this uh, wonderful union. That's right. And then just then, uh, Danny the ambulance pulls out of a portal with a bzzzack sound. Uh, mm. K- Casey steps out, tells him to get in the back, and Danny's very happy to see them as well. He remembers them from presumably past volumes of Doom Patrol. Uh, Ricardo calls Casey over the ambulance walkie-talkie thing, or whatever it's called, says Flex Mentolo is dead and Danny Land is in ruins. There are not many survivors, but there's no sign of the Vectra. And Sam is doing what he can to save people. And I gotta say, I liked this, you know, uh, inclusion of Sam, because it makes sense. Sure. You know, it's like, yeah, he's an EMT. He's a medic, yeah. Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fu- I don't know, I feel like a lot of times they would have said, like, oh, no, the you know, the, the planet's half dead. Let's reverse what happened, not try to save anybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't even go into the saving people. So I, I, I dug that they brought him back for this concrete reason. Um, sure. So Casey explains what's going on to Clift, but if you jumped on this issue, then I feel sorry for you, because really, <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I was even going to do her recap, and I was like... Please, if you don't know what's happening, then you need to go read one through four. That's all there is to it. Casey tells him to buckle up. They're going back in time. And just at that moment, near Club Rash, a spaceman in a full spacesuit feeds Casey's cat lotion some white powder, and he turns into a humanoid cat and lumbers off. Sure. What what do you think it says on that mask? It doesn't... It's very... I think it says very, yeah. Yeah, we only see... We only really see it in profile, but it looks like it might say very, but it might say... Almost anything V E R something we you know we're not sure. Verp could be. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a very odd throwaway scene. That's that's I, I love these little like just just these one or two page yeah inclusions of just weird stuff. It's obviously gonna um, it's obviously gonna be something later, but yeah, for now it was like well, okay, that was weird. <laughs> because I think the cat's on the cover of uh, of a book uh, oh, of, an, of a future issue. Well, that makes sense. Now, in the past, Danny the Ambulance appears right at the moment he was first taken by the Vectra. So there are two Danny the Ambulances in the hospital parking garage. Uh, The Vectra knew they were coming because of uh, Casey's mutated evil father, Terminox. Remember him? He was a... He was named after a uh, pesta. That's right, yeah. We, we, all, we saw him, I think, for the first time two issues ago in the comics. Yeah, just like, like the very last yeah. page. Something like now, that. Now, uh, while being tortured by the Vectra, Danny accidentally burped out Terminox from the pages of his very own comic book. Uh, Terminox was able to create synthetic duplicates of anything using some original DNA and the Vectra's uh, that meatless multiplier. Sure. But... uh. <laughs> Not exact duplicates there. They are a little bit off. Yeah, I like the the ambulance like a no frills ambulance. It's yeah, just like yes. just like a box. <laughs> Looks like an ambulance that says ambulance on it. You know, <laughs> generic ambulance. <laughs> uh, now, Torminox created a synthetic version of Casey Brink. Who looks thinner and more angular, and she's got a, a much neater hairstyle. Yeah. Uh, fake Casey and fake Danny were able to go back in time to intercept the real Danny's arrival in the past, and so it's time for a fight. That's right. Now we see some action, and it really, it really does break out really well. Cliff gives an uppercut to 
Torminox yes. and you got the negative man flying around. It, it it sets off pretty well. I mean, the art I still think is spectacular in this, and it really it's, is, it's really doing a great job. Um, but yeah, I really I really like the fact like the uh, you know fake Casey. She looks just a little off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's not quite right. She's basically the same kind of thing, but it's a little bit off. Uh, anyway, while this is going on, Danny the ambulance tells Casey she has to go into past Danny Land and burn down that comic book store that was essentially where she came from. Uh, this will initiate a self-destruct sequence that will clear everything up just fine. And the fight wages on around them. Cliff says, I don't know what you're planning. I don't really care. I'm stopping this malarkey right now. Torminox, after enhancing his strength with like a widget on the back, hand, on the back of his <laughs> hand, he kind of presses something. And I love he says, no plan, just evil. Which mm-hmm. is still sort of a plan, you know, if you think about it. You know, Technically, to, yeah. You know, the plan, step one, be evil. Step two, repeat step one, essentially the plan. Um... <laughs> So Sam, Ricardo, and Fug transfer from the present Danny in, into the past Danny with Casey. They actually walk from the back of one ambulance to the other, which I like that little stick. Yeah. Uh, and they, their plan is to evacuate past Danny land before the Vector can kill everyone by shoving them into present Danny. Uh, it's it's complex, folks. You gotta you gotta see it to believe it. Um, meanwhile, we see what Larry Trainer dreams of while Keeg is unleashing everyone, and it's a strange dream. He's dying in a hospital. Saying goodbye to his family. It's quite touching, actually. Yeah. And then Niles Calder rolls in and says he wants to talk about something called the Doom Patrol. Something he's never heard of before. Mm. <laughs> now, back in the awake world, Torminox is crushing Cliff's head merciful, mercilessly. Keeg <laughs> uh, socks him uh, good in the gut, right through a wall, in fact. Evil Casey threatens sleeping Larry with a vector gun. This is a good line. He shows, I bet if I kill this guy, that electrical pain in the ass goes away. <laughs> Which is a, a pretty, uh, pretty mm-hmm. astute uh, Very accurate. Uh, observation. Um, now, at that moment, Dormanox's ex-wife and Casey's comic book mama, Gloria, steps out of the back of probably past Danny. I would think so. I, ha- I would have to be. But yeah, it's not 100% clear. But one of the Dannys, we'll say. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, Torminox is actually my accountant. His uh, real name is Dick, so it's Dick Torminox, <laughs> who uh, who does my taxes. Wow. <laughs> does does he have a uh, kind of weird goggles and, and pointed ears, too? I don't know. Well, he, he did say that uh, he's like, I can get you the most money back because evil. <laughs> my plan is yeah, evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, in, in past Danny Lane, things are starting to look a little bit more intact. Uh, Flex Mentolo is laying unconscious on the ground, but he is alive now. Um, or he is still alive. We just know he's alive. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo, which is our oolong buddy, scoops some of the purple goop for, uh, from Fug's cassette deck. You know, Fug is that that uh, Teddy Ruxpin Teddy Ruxpin. Yep. So he uh, pulls this purple goop from the cassette deck and he massages it into Flex's <laughs> chest. I just bet that works for some reason. I don't know why, but it seems like, why not? Uh, At the Danny Land comic book shop, Casey dumps gasoline on everything. And Danny's speaking to her through these really ethereal-looking captions. I like this little. It was sort of like, I don't know, uh, ElfQuest or something. Like, Mm -hmm. captions talking to her, you know? It's like, we're looking at the comic book page, and we're living in the comic book page at the same time, folks. Uh, Casey throws a lit match from a Danny the Matches matchbox, which I also <laughs> liked. Place goes up in flames, and a bunch of pulsating comic book ideas squeal and kind of stream out of the blaze. It reminded me of those charcoal snakes you used to get with fireworks. I don't know. You don't know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you light them, and they, like, endlessly, not endlessly, but they just, like, just repeat themselves. Out, yeah. And that's what this reminded me of. And it kind of, I, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't choked up, but I was like, 
what happened to all those other Danny comic books? You know what I mean? Obviously, there was a world, yeah. you know, of of uh, Danny comic books, and I guess we'll never see them, or maybe we will, and they'll be charred. I don't know. Yeah, and I liked how on, like, the wall there were, like, posters that would change from being, like, comic posters to ones that just said goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That it was pretty neat. It, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you actually see some of the posters that we that we were really laughing at from the first yeah. time. And, like, yeah, they change. They're reacting to what's happening. I, I, I really love this, like, living Danny world. It really tickles me in, in uh, every oh, yeah. way. So it, it's cool as hell. Absolutely, they should. Uh, there should be an annual by it, but uh, it probably wouldn't come out until 2030. Yeah, that's but, uh, a problem. <laughs> now back in regular space, uh, Gloria, Casey's mother, or or yes, her mother, uh, yeah. tries to reason with uh, Torminox. She seems to imply that all can be fixed if they just uh, make out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But before they can, evil Casey shoots Gloria's guts out. And then the Vectra gun blows up uh, next to her face, so uh, all's, all's well. That sure. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Flex Mentolo, who is alive and transferring from past Danny into present Danny. Though I want to point out they are both in the past. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now all of Danny Land is evacuating from past to present Danny's. And again, this is happening in the past, so mm-hmm. it's a very complex <laughs> stuff, folks. It is. It is. It is uh, quantum doomy physics here. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, Flex takes care of the remaining Vectra with a uh, with one of his famous flexes, his hero of the beach flex, uh-huh. which is great because it, it's just like the uh, the Atlas, the old Charles Atlas ads where it says hero of the beach in the sky. I, I, um, you know, it was always Morrison when he when he made the character always made it kind of nebulous what that did. It seemed to just kind of fix everything. It, yeah, it's, did, it's, a, you know? it's a fixy thing. Yeah. And and in here it just kind of like sends the vector careening. You know, they just get blasted <laughs> away. It's it's just like, all right, job done. Sure. Now, uh, Torminox cuddles a dying Gloria because her guts are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey goes and has a nice uh, chat with her parents one last time. And her parents, they kiss and disappear into a brilliant flash of light. Yeah, and she says something at the end uh, that I thought was interesting. Uh, Gloria says, we'll be watching from a black hole waiting for your light to reach us. Not a star, but a sun. Hmm, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that might be an important line of some sort later on. Uh, They're thinking a lodestone. Yeah, maybe, yeah, possibly, yeah, uh, or who knows? It could go uh, so many ways. But anyway, it was uh, interesting. And and then uh, at the very end, our last two pages, uh, essentially, it's Crazy Jane is coming back. We see uh, it's hard to explain, I guess, outright, but it's her two of her personalities talking to each other, um, mm-hmm. talking about it, essentially saying that we're going to pull it together and get out there. And uh, it looks like. Crazy Jane's going to be bringing an atom bomb with her this time, and it's named Grandma. So mm. that doesn't bode well. I like how they're all wearing tracksuits with a jigsaw puzzle piece on them, too. Yep. I wonder if we're going to see more than one personality at the same time. That might be cool. But, uh, mm. you know, this, this this book is full of twists and turns. And even though there's familiarity with that, like we were able to pick out that it's, you know, Crazy Jane or personality. I don't, who knows if it'll even be Kay Chalice. Yeah, could be any anyone with multiple personalities uh, with these personalities in them, but uh, we know enough about it to see it. But I think still it still would be uh, intriguing enough to a brand new reader. And then in yeah, the back there up, was oh, that Oolong Island, uh, the the uh, the Keith Giffen version. It was like a second Crazy Jane kinda. There was yeah. who ha- who had like who had the similar little rosy cheeks like uh, this one did. 
Yeah. But she was like made out of porcelain, if I remember correctly. I think her name was porcelain, in fact. But yeah, because she, she like shattered. She could shatter, but she also had had multiple personalities. But it wasn't as hmm. many. Yeah. As crazy Jim. Like I think she was like a couple of people. Uh, I'd have to go back and, and really look at that. But there definitely Same was here. porcelain, and 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 it reminiscent of that. Uh, I mean, you know, that character, Crazy Jane, has had her iterations over the years, so it's hard to mm-hmm. say what we're going to get. Sure. You know, pretty much everything really stems heavily from the Morrison case run here, but not not every last thing. There's definitely a lot of nods to to different parts of Doom Patrol, so who knows how that will play out. I'm definitely interested, mm-hmm. though, in sure. whatever it's going to be. Uh, the backup to this is just a page from a Bane coloring book, which, and then the same two who's who's pages we've seen all month, including that we just saw in Mother Panic, uh, Team Carson and the Whisperer. Oh, uh, I need to know about Team Carson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you, you can read about it in one book, and then you can test yourself in the next one, yeah. so you see what you learn. Uh, but again, three pages, and I'd rather see this than a lot of the other nonsense, the Tom Scioli mm-hmm. crap. The, the Bane coloring page does nothing for me, really, but it's no. nothing offensive either. It's fine. Um, Has Doom Patrol ever had a backup? Not a regular one, I don't think. Okay, but they've always had some stuff jammed. Some back sort there. of, some I, sort of ephemera. I think, I think they were the first ones. To, this book was the first one to do the who's who, and the other books Probably. didn't at first. They all had their own little individual backup, and over That's time, right. they've kind of just repurposed the who's who pages over and over again. But there hasn't been a a running story no in the back of Doom okay. Patrol. Um, thankfully, actually, it seems they seem to write it. Longer than the other issues, uh, it goes mm-hmm. all the way up, almost up to the last page of stuff. So that's good, sure. and, and that's definitely something I would say about this issue was it was jam packed. Lots of stuff happened. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. It was, uh, you know, you know, not that these this book was standing still, but this was like we go from what's happening to okay, this is what's happening now. You know, the team is together, fighting is going on. We know the the plot has been revealed. Um, to be honest, maybe a little too much. A little, it felt a little bit too much like uh, ten pounds in a five-pound bag. And that's a good, uh, good way to describe it. And, and the fact that we are introduced to Torminox and then he's dispensed with in the same issue feels <laughs> a little bit like a padding type thing. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A, a, even though I, I like that story, I like the idea, that, the implication of this uh, past, this comic book past of Casey Brink. Like we don't, we don't find out why her father looks like a purple Vulcan or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, and I don't think we will. I don't think we should. It's, it's all like implied. These are all comic book stories that had happened. Uh, why did they break up? Why did, why did he divorce Casey's mom and all that stuff? Who knows? Maybe we'll find out if this comic does ever uh, extend out to many issues, but uh, the implication I enjoyed, but the fact that he came and went, I was like, Oh, so we kind of end the book more or less where we started it. Pretty much. Which is usually a sign that, it was a filler issue. A wheel spinning, yeah. But uh, I still, I, I have to say, though, at the end, my, my visceral feeling was I still enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, as much oh, as I, I almost wanted to lambaste it for being uh, late. Yeah. But I, I can't deny that I really enjoyed reading it. So <laughs> what, what did you think <laughs> of it? Well, I'm uh, my only concern here is that, well, we both talked about the future of this book and if there is one, yeah. especially with the uh, multiple delays here. I'm just afraid that once, like, the nostalgia wank is over, mm. I'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot left. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're, we're like, we're marking out for these old references to every year of Doom Patrol here. And uh, 
And I think that's a lot of the draw for us. I, I think if we put this same story with another group of characters, it wouldn't it wouldn't hold our interest, um, or as much. I think that just... this, it's true, yeah. Because, like, for example, the the Danny, I mean, the uh, Larry getting dressed scene. Yeah, that was total. That was a call out to us. It's totally a gratuitous, yeah, like that yeah. call out to old old continuity. I can't imagine anybody would get a ton out of that except to say. That's some weird sunglasses you're wearing there, but pretty yeah. much. <laughs> you're wearing ladies' frames. Yeah. But at the same time, like you know, I the new characters, Casey and Fug, uh, mm-hmm. this kind of iter this iteration of Danny, the you know all omnipotent god, I'm enjoying that too. You know, sure. uh, it's 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 always the question like the new reader. That's never going to be us. You know, we can't be the new reader, so we don't know what the new reader thinks, uh, what they might think of it. Um, but you're right. It, it's, you know, the nostalgia will wear thin after a while on anybody, and you'll be like, all right, well, now I want a story. story. But yeah. this is the opening and this, arc, and, 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 and again, like, what? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this seems like the like the most vocal anyone's been about Doom Patrol, like, ever, in a good way. Yeah. Because I know when Byrne took over, it got pretty vocal, but it wasn't uh, positive. It was not positive, yeah. And people didn't go crazy for the Giffen. uh, No, no, it it kind of flew under the radar. It came out out in the middle of Blackest Night. Oh, man. uh, and it, like a lot of the backups were Black as Night because it, it came with like a Metal Man backup at first. Uh huh. So it was an it was one of the overpriced books at the time, but uh, it was it was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, I know yeah. you enjoyed it, but it was it did fly under the radar. It didn't get a whole lot of press. But uh, it seems like the book has almost got like a cult of personality around it now, where it's like people are like really freaking. It's like, oh, it's a Doom Patrol week, and it's like, well, well you never cared about it before. And <laughs> once, you know, once the uh, you know, once if if it gets on schedule and there's not as much of a fervor for it i i think it's gonna you know this it's social media score will drop a bit but uh i'm i, I i'm really enjoy. i don't want to sound like i'm not enjoying the book because uh-huh. i am a great deal but it just seems like it, it needs to find that balance between fan wank and story yeah i and it it may i i think it still is poised to do that i mean presumably we have one issue left in the arc and then now is that's your chance to start with you know new stories you know no more of this i mean here we're getting the band back together mm. so there's a little bit of of long-term fan service i can only hope that that more or less ends now we the yeah, band is together the, and the delays have not helped that has been horrible yeah i'll be honest eight, i think i think yeah. we'd feel a lot better in general if we weren't having to to justify this book's delayed i mean i definitely am telling people now if you haven't read it yet wait for the trade for the trade. point I, I can't even say i know exactly I feel good about when issue six is coming out. You know, it's supposed to be next no month, but I have no guarantee for that. So uh, definitely, if you're just listening and you you haven't bought this yet, I say it's a worthwhile read. Wait for the trade. It'll be sure. out probably in early next year or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and uh, hopefully it'll get back on track after that. I have not looked at solicits into the future. I know they have issues planned, but... Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I don't know, maybe Gerard Ways, whoever needs the help, I hope they're getting it and uh, can get this thing going on a regular awesome. schedule. But uh, for me, I had to say, after even after all this hemming and hawing and, you know, what might be, I just enjoyed the heck out of it. I really thought sure. it was great. The art is is really just awesome. Phenomenal. Uh, really well, carefully drawn. Uh, I, I had to give it a strong 8 out of 10. 
Certainly, yeah. A strong eight, uh, week eight point five for sure. Yeah, this it's... was a uh, another great issue. It just uh, took forever to get here, and uh, you know all the stuff that I've already said. Yeah, but uh, you know what can you do? However, there are young animal books coming out in the near future. Maybe we hope. <laughs> uh, next week is supposed to be the Doom Patrol number one director's cut, which we didn't get. I don't think we don't have that. So okay. uh, I have to double check. I might be wrong, but I don't think we did get that. So we won't be talking about it, or maybe I'll take a look at it and we'll just mention it lightly, see what's just to say what's in there. Yeah. Uh, but there wouldn't be much to say. If you want to know, you know, what we thought about Doom Patrol One, go back listen to that episode where you know whatever week that came out. Um, the following week is Shade the Changing Girl number seven, which I'm really hey. excited for. That's the yeah, beginning of a new story. story. Yeah, uh, that book's also. I mean, all of these books now in going into their second arcs. In a way, we're going to see what are you really made of. You know, uh, yeah, you've introduced us to the characters, you've given us the setting. That's always kind of exciting. Uh, or has the potential to be exciting because it's new. Sure. Well, now it's not new anymore, so we'll we'll see where it lands. Not not to be, I don't want to sound uh, <laughs> negative. I could be great. I mean, we have no reason to think I'm excited as heck for it. But you know, this oh, will. We've be been epic. around the block once or twice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now we now we we're no longer looking at a brand new car. We're looking at yeah. something with a you know, cigarette st- butt uh, hole in the seat and <laughs> and French fries under the driver's exactly. seat. Exactly. <laughs> so we're we're gonna probably judge it more on on its merit. But I have you know no reason to think it won't be good. We enjoyed the no. heck out of that first arc. So. Super looking forward to that, but uh, assuming those come out, and until then, I think that's all we got for him this week. Anything else for him, Chris? No, I think that'll do us. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. Welcome back to Young Animal on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. Uh, my name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have a new Young Animal comic book this week for you. It is uh, Shade the Changing Girl number seven, and this turns over a new arc, or maybe it is, you know, a break between arcs. Yeah, it might be a bridge. Um, this is, uh, we even have a different artist this time around. Uh, shade number seven here, Dance Me to the End, written by the same writer, uh, Cecil Castellucci, with art by Marguerite Savage. Um, I really like the art. Yeah, it's cool. It looks good. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, now, we open up on a, a young Loma being adopted by a pair of waspy-looking mettons. Uh, we learn here that uh, Loma's avian parents failed what they call the parenting test. Um, we also learn that these avians, which, you know, they are those bird-like creatures that Loma is part of, they've got a reputation for both roaming and taking things to make their nests. Mm, uh, now, this, 
Very, very birdish. Uh, now this is clearly a flashback, so we pop into the present, and we find uh, that this this flashback was narrated by Shade as she is explaining things to her new pals, River and Teacup. They're out shopping as tonight is the big winter dance. Um, back in the flashback, we get some moments from Loma's childhood and early adolescence, in which she lives up to her avian heritage by roaming and collecting things. <laughs> Though, without the need for a nest, I think we can just say she's stealing. Yeah, she's, she's doing what so many teenage girls do, is uh, <laughs> steal lipstick, steal or whatever. I don't know what, what that's all about. Yeah. But anyway... Um, in the present, over a lunch table, River asks Shade if she feels the need to run away, and she enters in the affirmative. She leans back and thinks to herself, who needs friends when there are places to go and music to hear and beautiful shiny things to steal? And as she's leaned back, we can see there just might be something growing in her belly, which was sort of implied at the end of the last issue. So uh, obviously that's going to come to something later on. They asked why she wanted to come to Earth, and so she explains her exposure to the Life with Honey television program, and there is a backup in the end of this book that we will get to when we get to it. Now, in the psychedelic changing room, which is really psychedelic, uh, I'm not <laughs> Mouths, sure. It's, yeah. I, it's really crazy, and I'm not sure if it's shade made it psychedelic or if it's just <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? Maybe it's just a, one of these, you know, this modern fashion. I don't get Hot, any of it. Places, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, t Teacup picks a particularly immodest dress, has a little side boob showing, which was a bit of a surprise considering how she's been presented thus far, but she doesn't actually buy it. She says that her moms will say no. And uh, so it's wondering if Teacup talks street or whether she has two moms, considering it's 2017, I'm going with the latter option. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We flash back again to Loma at school. She's kind of an outcast, or at least, you know, one of a group of outcasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, One day she sits in a lecture called Earth as Muse, which is given by none other than Rack Shade with a giant hole in his face. Yeah. It's like that, like that odd psychedelic Paisley is covering his face. It's, it's just that, so we that thing that denotes madness it <laughs> yes. is his face. You know that, that weird circle within a circle. Mm-hmm. Now this, uh, this further ignites her passion for the planet and Rack himself. Uh, she attempts to join the MVEST program. The woman behind the counter at the ministry looks a, looks a little bit like that uh, that Hellboy's sister from yeah, earlier issues. She does. But uh, it might just be a coincidence. Uh, you know, this is a different artist, so mm-hmm. we don't know. It's not exact. Um, now, she goes to a Rackshade book signing where she is told by the man himself, Earth is cool. And Earth is not cool. Whoa, deep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> now, Loma returns home to the uh, televised news that Rackshade has disappeared. So in other news, nothing. Um, the reporter also mentions his being cleared of murdering Melu Lauren's parents, which is a reference actually back from the Ditko days. Wow. Uh, yeah, Melu Lauren was uh, Rack's girlfriend who followed him to Earth. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a real deep cut. I mean, I'm surprised this thing see. right here connects it. Yeah, definitively to, with earlier iterations of Shade. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, from here, Loma becomes a bit more fanatical about Earth and collects as many artifacts from the planet as she can with uh, whatever you know, whatever she, whatever money she can get from the stuff that she steals. Basically. Yeah, and to be honest, some of the artifacts are of dubious, you know, yeah, dubious veracity. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that's a chunk of rock from Earth. Just take it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but you, t- you takes what you can get, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the present, the trio head home, and before Shade enters her house, she decides to share her bucket list with her 
friends, uh, Teacup and what the hell's his name? River. River, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, some highlights include that she wants to meet the actors from Life with Honey. She wants to visit the pyramids, fight a minotaur, ride a dinosaur. And uh, she also thinks to herself how she's come to accept her new friends and feels they're a part of her f- the same flock. But she would, wouldn't dare tell them that aloud. And it's funny because Teacup is like, yeah, you can do most of this except for the you know mythological stuff and the <laughs> you know, animals that are extinct. We, we can do yeah. the rest of that. <laughs> I wonder if the, I guess you count the Life with Honey actors as extinct, right? I would think that probably, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could visit, you could visit their, uh, grave their, their grave sites. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, back in a Metin flashback, we see that uh, we watch as Loma bounces from lover to lover until she can find one she can relate to. Enter our gross tentacle-armed and panda-faced pal, LaPuck. <laughs> the flashback ends with her asking if he can get her access to the M-Fest after hours. Hmm. And uh, with the new artist here, it's very clear that he's got these nasty, disgusting tentacle arms. Yeah, that was not 100% <laughs> clear to me before, know. you know, to be honest with you, but... Uh, Somehow it really does show more of it. Although we're seeing more of him than we have, I feel like here. Like we haven't seen a lot yeah. of his full body, but I guess yeah, it never really it never really read across to me that way. Yeah, we never saw him post coital or anything, so we, you know, we, we do get to see his <laughs> saggy God. body. <laughs> now back in the present, the, the present, uh, the girls and River are getting ready for the dance. All three hope to find a boyfriend. Uh, at the dance, Shade gets pulled away by Wes, and River and Teacup dance for a bit. Uh, Teacup's cell phone starts, as the kids say, blowing up uh, with texts, but she is hesitant to check them. When she finally does, it's a a reminder to be on the dance floor at 8.25 p.m. And so she runs and pulls Shade onto the dance floor, uh, presumably at 8.25. There she is mobbed by a bunch of the girls from her class. They just dump glue all over her and slap post-it-style notes to her with such niceties as bitch, whore, and hate. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and worse words, too, that yes. we don't need to repeat. But yeah, That we don't need to go into, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. After psychedelically melting into the floor, she composes herself and runs off. We close with River giving chase, not really understanding what just went down. And uh, Teacup also giving chase, uh, knowing exactly what went down, but being very apologetic for it. Mm-hmm. But that's it. She's she's going to split, it seems like. Uh, she's she's says, gone, I did not come here to make friends. I came here to see things and see things on earth I will. Goodbye, Valleyville. So, yeah, that was sort of her carry ending right there. You know, she got the high school version of Tarred and Feathered or something right yep, there. Was that pretty what, much, that's right? what that was, you know? Uh, <laughs> it's funny, though. Obviously, that was meant for Megan before she, you know, died, died and left her body to, to Loma. But, uh,. That girl must have been a real bitch, I'll tell you what. I'm thinking. Really yeah. must have been a real <laughs> jerk, for sure. Now, the uh, the backup is Loma watching an episode of Life with Honey, and I really enjoyed this, to, mainly because of the fact that it was drawn by Dan Parent, who does... Well, I think he drew Kevin Kelly Kevin from Archie, but he draws yeah. in the old DiCarlo Archie style. Mm-hmm. Uh, more or less, you know, not exactly, but very close to it. And there's something about yeah. it that really did fit for the for the story. So it's it's sort of an episode about how the the two wives, Honey and I guess her neighbor friend, are coping with uh, life in the 50s, and uh, they get their hands on some radiation suits, decide to make radiation suit chic suits, and they're gonna you know they're gonna wow some people at a fa- at a at a uh, dinner, you know, at a club somewhere, and everyone mm-hmm. makes fun of them, but then ends up that people like them. The, the thing ended kind of flat. Um, mm. Again, not very useful, but 
I sure do like seeing that Archie style artwork. That's what I have to say about it. So yeah, I've uh, given up on the backups as they uh, you walked away. <laughs> they're from starting it. to creep into my uh, appreciation of the overall package. I think that's fair. I this didn't this didn't deter me, but it definitely did not add one iota. But did you see hmm. did you see the uh, the who's who is Forager the bug? It is. And then after that, I I'm not sure if this is all. I think this is a Kirby page of of the bug, or or is Allred doing an amazing Kirby impersonation? As part of the backup. Down buddy. there. So it's it's the, uh, the, uh, that's all red, yeah. Def, this that's is all red, definitely. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, so this might be a page coming up from the book. We'll see. Yeah, it's definitely all red, aping Kirby, something fierce. It looks amazing. I mean, it really close, but yeah, I, I I agree with you too. I mean, you can see in the lips. A lot in the of, lips. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the lines, you know, but it definitely is. All red Very by way of, Kirby, yes. of Kirby, we would say. <laughs> so, what did you think of this issue? Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. I think this was probably the strongest issue of this series yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the art was fantastic. I think, uh, what's her name here? Uh, uh, Savage. I think she does uh, beautiful faces. Yeah. Um, she might not have as good a grasp on the trippiness mm-hmm. that does Arcone does. But uh, but for the faces are the faces are amazing. Um, just you know when we when we see things like guest illustrator or guest artist, we always think like oh man, fill in, spin the wheels time. Yeah. But this is the opposite. This is uh, this is like they brought their A game somehow. But it was uh, I really liked it. Yeah, I mean I I thought this was originally going to be a you know whatever go shopping issue or whatever yeah. or you know what. How does how does uh, Shade deal with a flat tire or something? Which I would I would have been fine theoretically sure. because they had their first arc and that's typical. But this turns out to be the secret origin of Lorna Absolutely. Loma as Shade, you know, and uh, really well told. The art was great. Mm-hmm. I agree with you also though. Was a little stiffer overall. Yeah. Um, to good effect usually. For example, now we could see that guy's tentacle arms a little clearer. But <laughs> yes. uh, it didn't have, for worse. didn't have as much of an ethereal quality as the other issues. So no. Definitely good to take a break with it. You know, not not that I think that I want to see this every time, but hmm. nice to see someone else give a uh, try at the old shade, the changing girl. So uh, what was your score? I gave it an 8.5 out of 10, and it's a, a strong 8.5. Yeah, I think I'm in the same place, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as usual, vastly between between 8 and 8.5. But I think 8.5, it deserves it. And uh, gosh, if, if you have did read the first arc, this is going to be a real gift to you, you know, yeah. as far as information and, you know, what the, what the uh, background of Loma is and even what goes on on Meta and, like, Mm-hmm. How they treat the avians, you know. There's there's a lot of information in this. It really was a yeah. interesting book, and uh, I would. And we actually get to see shade and uh, rack shade. In, and, in uh, a sense, if if you can yes. accept that his face looks like a circle, that's a little fine. distorted. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, you do you see him. Uh, and uh, there is that uh, the tie to the original Ditko continuity. I mean, that's, a, that's I wonder. That's if incredible. We'll, like, yeah, I wonder if they'll mention that he was part of the Suicide Squad at some point. I mean, it's uh, wow. There's there's just. Uh, it's it's just really cool that this is actually in continuity. Yeah, it's they did their homework and it's uh yeah. it's nice to see it come into fruition. So definitely a whatever thumbs up, whatever what do you want to call it? You want to call it an animal animal tail up? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I made that up. Uh, there's no news. I looked for news, nothing to say really. This nah, bug is still coming out in May, so when mm-hmm. that comes out, we will talk about that next week. There are no young animal books. We will have to pick a year. And talk mm-hmm. about it, or you know, talk about something else. Maybe uh, 
Chris can, you know, he's had some uh, school issues lately. Maybe you want to unload on the listeners, Chris, next yes. week? Yeah. If you want to <laughs> unburden you yourself? about my trip to Indiana, yes. <laughs> Longest young animal segment ever. You know? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> uh, week after that, though, is Cave Carson's Cybernetic Eye number 7, which continues... Hey. You know what happened? His eye jumped out of his face last issue, last mm-hmm. we saw. So we'll uh, we'll find out what the eye is up to. But for this episode, I think that's all we got for him. You got anything else for him, Chris? No, I think that'll do it. Well, folks, until next week, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. How lovely to be a woman! The wait was well worthwhile. How lovely to wear mascara and smile a woman's smile. How lovely to have a figure that's round instead of flat. Whenever you hear boys whistle, you're what they're whistling at. It's wonderful to Young Animal. I am Reggie. I'm Chris. And we do not have a Young Animal book for you this week, but we again. decided, again, but we decided <laughs> that uh, we want to talk about Young Animal, kind of bring out a state of the Young Animal, the state of the Young Union, or the Animal Union. The, the state of the Youngian. The state, <laughs> the state of the Youngian, exactly. Uh, <laughs> to talk about, about Young Animal and, you know, where it's been going, you know, sales-wise, uh, and kind of story arc wise, even to some extent, since we began reading it, which was the very beginning, right? That was September was. of last year. The first one, the first issue of Doom Patrol came out. Yep. So uh, we're going to talk about the what you know would be their flagship title, right? Doom Patrol first. Gotta be, yeah. We've had, I would think so. You know, uh, maybe others would disagree, but it was it was their launch title. This is the one written solely by Gerard Way. The uh, Ubermensch of uh, Young Animal, <laughs> whatever, I don't know what his title is, the god of it, so uh, yeah, yes. whatever whatever the case, but you know, we're, we're going to start with Doom Patrol, there's been four issues out so far since September, this mm-hmm. one's written by Gerard. Well, this is going, this is going through February, because we're doing, uh, that's the last that we have uh, sales information. Sales figures, yeah, okay, so yeah. so most recent, this, yeah, the September stuff from through March, February. yeah, we're not going to have, but uh, yeah. So from September to February, they've had four issues, uh, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington. This book has yet to conclude its opening arc, which is puts it in rare company among young animal <laughs> books right now, because like all of them have, or yeah, they all, all of them have, yeah. have concluded as of now uh, their arc. Actually, no, oh, that's true. Mother Panic did too, and they're about to conclude their second arc. Their second arc, yeah. So that is kind of weird. Uh, it's introduced some new characters that. Uh, I've enjoyed them. Uh, Casey Brink, Terry Nunn, and Lotion the Cat, as well as her <laughs> EMT uh, guy Sam. It turned out Sam. to be a real like a character that we thought was a throwaway has come back in the most recent issue. Uh, to and the Oolong Island guy too. 
Yeah, he's he's Ricardo. He's he's kind of yeah. hanging around. I thought we wouldn't. It's weird. We I guess you don't know who's going to be permanent. And frankly, we still don't know. But we still uh, don't. it's it's cool <laughs> that these guys still hanging around. Although the delay between books makes it difficult to build up steam for these new characters. That you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you constantly have to kind of jog your memory or go read the last issue, uh, which is something a little tough for Chris and I because we get you know these comps. I don't always have the last comp. I I, I delete them over time. I anyway. still have the issues, but I mean, it's just we do so much reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's you know hard what I mean? To like, do I have to, to reread? Uh, like, yeah. If I have to read three issues to read the new one, well, you're not really doing me any favor, favors, yeah. I think. Uh, exactly. But it has had a lot of fan service for longtime fans, uh, which we were included, and there's a lot of stuff that tickle us. And that's why a lot of my questions uh, along the way have been asking if new readers are enjoying it. Yeah, because that's one thing I don't know if it's really new reader friendly. Uh, I think I remember the first issue. I kind of gave it a very soft score, which I don't have to hand, but very tentative score because I wasn't sure if this was something anyone could pick up off the stands. But by the second issue, I had pretty much said, all right, this is, you know, if you're of a certain bent and, you know, if you, uh, you know, are weird, basically, I th- I'd like to think a weird person could enjoy it. So, um it started out of the gate pretty robustly, I think. Uh, issue number Absolutely. one, it was in September of 2016. It was the 19th highest selling book uh, that month with the sixth highest dollar share. It pushed 76,225 copies. It did have a lot of variants. Uh, <laughs> it had like four or five variants at least, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it did. It, it moved a lot and there was a lot of buzz for it. Uh, in October, the second one, it was the 79th highest selling book. It pushed uh, 37,856 copies, with a uh, basically dropped 50%, uh, you know, minus 38,000 and change, which actually is pretty standard. That's standard. It really is. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you see that, you you can say, all right, well that's that's what we expect. <laughs> yeah, especially with the variance and with the hype. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. There, there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, the machine behind the first well, issue. Well, quite, quite frankly, in this day and age, five variants for a number one issue is not really that many. That's modest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's a modest. You know what I mean? When you see some of them come out with like twenty, thirty, a hundred variants, that's yep. when you see the drop between one and two is like eighty, eighty percent. It's like <laughs> all right. Least, yep. But uh, this was this still looked pretty good, and you know, it's all about. I mean, it, this is so much. Uh, uh, boring comic book stuff but it's all about attrition after this point you know you expect to shed readers every time until you can you know have an event or a death or something it's all about how few you lose every month and this is where we start to run into trouble (laughs) uh in november in issue number three which i actually said was the my favorite issue of the year i loved it 10 out of 10 yeah yeah it was uh 96 highest selling of the month not too bad of a drop Pushed no. thirty thousand and change with a deficit of seventy seven sixteen copies, and that was just uh, they lost twenty percent. Not too bad. But then December there was no Doom Patrol, and uh, it's really now it's just slipping down uh, pretty precipitously, I would think. Uh, January issue number four was one hundred fifth highest selling, and that was it pushed twenty six thousand two hundred sixty one copies. Now it's coming close to that. 20,000 cutoff. I'm not sure if that really applies to Young Animal, quite frankly. Yeah. I wouldn't see why it wouldn't, you know. Uh, They have to sell (laughs) comics, too, like anyone else, but they lost another almost 4,000 readers or uh, units, and that was they lost 15%. So this isn't that horrible. 
No. But it's it's not a it's a bad trend. And February there was no Doom Patrol, which is an even worse trend. <laughs> and, I, and I'm at the point now. I would I've told people since uh, January, since the fourth issue, if you haven't been getting it yet, just wait for the trade or get the issues and wait for it to end because we're not before you read them. Yeah, you can't count on when the schedule anymore to to keep up the momentum. And I bet it's going to be a great single read. But oh, yeah. It's just too bad for the single issues. So, uh, it, you know, it really did for me, Chris, it really let the wind out of my sails on this book a little bit. You know, I I still enjoy it. Remember the last issue, which we don't you know, this was came out and I must have been in March. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I said I wanted to even grade it worse, almost to punish the book <laughs> the, the, yeah, for letting absolutely. me down. But I enjoyed the singular issue so much. I ended up giving it, I forgot an eight an 8.5 or something like that. It was a solid score. Yeah, it was, it was, and it ended up, you know, we ended up having a lot of fun with it, but, uh, definitely it's, it's affected my, my perception of the book and the story. I mean, we had that guy introduced and killed in the same issue. Yeah, Terminox. I Terminox. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that that was the intention. I mean, this is a lot of conjecture, but, Anyway, I'm going to start getting depressed if I talk about it too much, I'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, we still enjoy it. We still, I, you know, we I do. still look forward to it. And uh, I really actually do look forward to having it collected in my Doom Patrol pantheon. You know, I think it'll mm-hmm. stand up with a lot of the other books. Uh, definitely, we've been saying all along, if you like Morrison's Doom Patrol, that mm-hmm. shares the most DNA with this Doom Patrol by far. And uh, if you're, you know, obviously, if you're already a doom patrol fan or a doomy right is that what, what it, i think that's i think that's what they call us yeah. <laughs> or the doomed anyway yes <laughs> um of course you're gonna like it but I, i'm thinking also you know a lot of the line and this book and then you know the book we're about to talk to the, uh, specifically in the one next uh really uh, give me a feel of that 90s vertigo mm-hmm. uh sandman hellblazer you know what i mean ladder swamp thing all that stuff Really give yeah. me that kind of those feelings. Uh, so it's it's books like that if you like that. It's 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 if you are sick of the capes and tights and you want to see something else, book comic books can do. I think Doom Patrol is a good place to look. But I would say issue six is is supposed to be coming out imminently in a in a couple of weeks. So yeah. get that, get the whole thing, read it, read it in one bang, and uh, let us know what you think of it. We would love to. Absolutely. We would love to know. Now, I think this is a very good. Uh, it's like a gateway drug into the uh, mm-hmm. into the weird books because it does have a little bit of the superhero bent still in it. Yep. But it's it's not Superman. It's not Batman. It's a uh, it's something altogether different. It, yeah, it's that's a, true. It, this is a good one to. This is the one to try if you're like. I wonder what the Young Animal books are about. This is yeah. the one to look at. And uh, the next book we're going to talk about is Shade the Changing Girl, num- uh, number one through five. I think this is now the flagship of Young Animal. Seems like it, yeah. <laughs> the most consistent. Yes. Uh, the the first five issues were all written by Cecil Castellucci and had art by Marley Zarcone. Uh, we did have a fill-in, but uh, not a fill-in, but a guest illustrator, but that yeah. is uh, outside of the, the, the first uh, arc, of this yeah. here, yeah. Um, the first arc is complete. Uh, we've had the entire first, uh, what do we just review? Issue seven. So the first yep. arc was six issues, and then number seven was a standalone. Uh, the series has been great at uh, providing character motivation and backstory, uh, kept keeping it at a very steady pace. Um, we're getting a lot of information, but none of it feels like an info dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the imagery is fantastic. It's just, uh, and even in the short, you know, first 
handful of issues, we have a solid maturation of the characters here. Definitely. Where, yeah. uh, you know, we start off uh, where where Loma slash Shade slash Megan slash whatever is a uh, is petulant and quite unlikable. Mm-hmm. But uh, we wrap up the first story arc digging her. You know, it's like a. Just it seems uh, like another book that we're going to talk about in a bit might learn a bit something about that <laughs> from that. But you're, you're, uh, you're very right, and she has had some character growth. Hold on, <laughs> excuse me, folks. Um, <laughs> she has had character growth, but not so much that she's not still kind of a space case, yeah, you know, flighty kind of person. I got to say, Chris, too, like. I think it speaks well this book how much you like it because you usually have no patience for characters like that at all. <laughs> I don't. You don't. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, one one hint of a character like that, you're like, fuck this, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, this is a case where you know, because she is likable. Uh, she's just something something symp- sympathetic about Loma. Um, where I don't know, it's something realistic about her, I guess, from a from a teenage sense of like, yeah, she's narcissistic, she's flighty, mm. but. She is, you know, not a not a bad bird, as they say. So, <laughs> I, I hate terms like quirky because they're very nebulous, but it's about the best thing I can can say about her. She's it's, she's got a lot of quirks, and uh, yeah, and even her more unlikable ones are still somewhat charming. Oddly enough, um, now to discuss the sales, and this is uh, <laughs> if we were depressed talking about the lack of Doom Patrol, uh, this is going to be kind of sad. October issue one was the 100th highest selling book at 32,081 copies. We drop quite a bit in November issue two. Uh, it was 135th highest selling with 19,526 copies uh, dropped to uh, 12 and uh, 39% attrition. So that's it. That's, that's huge. Of, I mean, that's yeah. still the one to two drop. Yeah. But this, but I know that Shane high. didn't have the, as many, uh, variants, you know, and it's it's still no. it's, it's it didn't start as you know as high as we might have liked either for it to have this amount of a drop. It's really kind of spooky. Yeah, because it dips under that that twenty thousand. That twenty thousand. Yeah. Uh, December issue number three was the hundred and fifty first highest selling with fourteen thousand three hundred ninety seven copies. It dropped to another twenty six percent of its readership. Um, January issue four was the 169th highest selling. That uh, yeah, it uh, sold 13,536 copies, dropping another six percent, which it may be a sign that is leveling out. Yeah. Um, but then the next month, February's issue five was the 172nd highest selling. Uh, at 11,000, almost almost in the four digits, 11,670 copies, dropping another 14%. Pretty bad. I, 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 don't, uh, I don't like the odds. No, I, I, I have to agree. Yeah, I, I couldn't see. If it keeps going like this, there's no way they're going to go past the second arc. I, you know what I mean? I can't see it. I don't, I don't see how they could justify it. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It is. This is this is a cool book. It's definitely you know a unique. And again, you have to be have find the right audience. But yeah, that audience we like it. That audience must be out there. Um, there sure. There are weird people out there in the world. So uh, and you know this this is this is a book that I I would be okay with. Um, probably my teenage son or daughter reading i would think you know what i mean I don't yeah know. yeah it's not gratuitous yeah. um you know it's not like another book we're going to talk about in a bit but uh 
A little bit of you know, cur- I, a little bit of curse words, a little you know bit. what I mean? But but nothing bit. nothing too crazy. And you know, teenagers use curse words. And uh, sure. But you know, the angst to me seems real. It Genuine. seems authentic. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it seems like an earnest kind of uh, character. And I I approve of the whole setting and whatever. It's uh even the way the most recent one, this issue seven, ended. You know, I both of us had Excellent. like a. Yep. We had like a little bit of a of a feeling about it, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like, oh man, it's, it's too <laughs> it can bad. actually evoke or a, a genuine reaction. Yeah, so that, that says a lot for it. So yeah, I'm I'm not thrilled about this. I I can't see this unless something juices the sales up. You know, yeah, this one's little, not, probably not long for this world. I, I you know, and and if it does finish out its second arc, it will be uh, the the graciousness of DC Comics. It won't be yeah, because, just letting them do exactly. It, yeah. That's all, just to get the second trade complete. So, uh, yeah, that's too bad. Because yeah. when when I first when they first uh, announced the the lineup for Young Animal, I saw this one and I kind of rolled my eyes uh-huh. because you know the whole the whole thing about comics lately has been diversity. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's organic or forced, it's like oh we have Shade the Changing Girl. girl. What? It's like hey hey what? guys, are you mad yet? Are mm. you mad yet? And it's like when I saw that I was like eh okay. And then you know we tried it and it was it was fantastic. I, I just wonder if other people are just so tired of the forced diversity that maybe they've been scared to pick a book like this up. You know you might have um, a point there. Yeah, it might be people looking at. I mean, as you pointed out in the Shade the Changing Man run by Milligan, he does he hmm. is a girl for a while. He does turn into a girl so for, for an extended arc. It's, yeah, so not, it's not it's not like it was impossible. Yeah, and uh, it's it's if you're already a fan of the character, I would think that it wouldn't be anything unusual for you for. Or a reader to look at it all, but uh, sure, possibly you could you could have something there, and it's it's too bad because it's not like that, you know what I mean? I'd say no. you know I'd say the things that it's preachy about have to do more with uh you know it teenage relationships if if you can even Pretty call much. it preachy, but it, you know it de- it's it definitely not has, really, but the, but it definitely you know it shows bullying and it shows uh you know victims of bullying but i guess that's just sure. that's just high school life and whether that's, it's yeah, you know. that's, yeah. Um, that's the reality of life yeah yeah and like you mentioned earlier if you're a fan of that early vertigo or even the proto vertigo i think you'll dig this book yeah. this is a definitely you know if you're a fan of the original shade the changing man even though they don't have a whole lot in common outside of you know the the madness vest yeah i, I think you'll dig this uh it's definitely written it's definitely written in, in 2016, 2017, but uh-huh. it's uh it's still still very, very good. You know, <laughs> I would uh, also say that the storytelling though is a little like ethereal. It is. And possibly if you've enjoyed books by J. H. Williams like Batwoman or mm-hmm. uh what the Promethea. Hell? Promethea. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Like mm-hmm. as far as style of storytelling, because it's it's not difficult, but it is unusual you know it, it it's is the same in green lantern book where everything's no. in, its, in its slanted panels just you know what i mean up in a row <laughs> all stacked up in a, in a row uh yeah i it's it's you have to see it to believe it i can't really explain it but um yeah it takes a certain mind i think and you know a lot of the people that that we that listen to our segment that have tried it i think all of them have come away liking it 
Yeah, know. I don't think we've had anybody yell at us for uh, for recommending this. Exactly, just, which yeah. is something we fear all the time. <laughs> it is. It's like, oh man, this dude spent four dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially for these books, like, oh god, I wish I, I almost want to give them a money back guarantee, but I do want to make it clear, we do not we offer do not a money back guarantee. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that next. that's sad news. But next week we have uh, Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye. Uh, one through five, or are we just yep. can discover four? No, we got all five right here. Yep. Uh, and that also did just finish its arc, but we're not going to handle that sixth one. Written by Gerard Way and Ron Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming. Uh, opening arc has concluded with a cliffhanger to the point we even said, like, is this really the full arc? We're not. Yeah. You know, this might be what the a fabled seven issue arc. It does happen sometimes. Um, this was a great reintroduction to Cave Carson, and for us. It was a introduction, you know. I, you know, it's so weird because now that we read Cave Carson, I see him everywhere. He's popping up everywhere. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like, how did I not? It's like I, I know about these comics. I've, I've read, you know, some of these. And I, just a character, just totally glossed over in my whole life. I have no idea why. You know, it's now like I, he's a forgotten hero. I guess that's. I he was he was blanked <laughs> blanked from our minds. You know what I mean? Through. Uh, uh, hyper bleed or whatever the hell. Anyway, uh, we, but we don't know for that reason how similar this is to the Silver Age characterization. Although doing research, they bring, they brought a lot of his trappings. You know what I mean? Uh, what's that one guy? Jay? You know what I'm talking about? Who works for yeah. EDX? He's like he was From part of his team. He was he was one yeah. of the challengers. And like uh, there's been some references. Obviously, Wild Dog wasn't there, but you know yeah. the Mighty Mole was all part of that. So there's there's connection to it we just don't know anything about it and speaking of wild dog he's great in this book uh that's awesome you know when we when we it was funny when we first saw him wasn't there something else happening wild dog had just shown up in arrow i think on the, on TV, the tv show, show. but did not he show up in the comics too somewhere i can't remember he was there there was a gang of uh, guys in wild dog jerseys on the cover of green arrow rebirth but I, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if uh, if he's actually shown up in that or not, or if it was just a you know a call out. I don't know. The, I don't know the yeah. I don't know how it was used, but I remember thinking to myself that this. I was like, I wonder if this is going to cause any uh, friction. Uh, friction, exactly. Inter office friction, and frankly, we still don't know if it did. But I love <laughs> I love the way Wild Dog is used in this. Uh, he's also become a sympathetic character in, in his own right. Last uh, mm-hmm. last issue, we got to learn a little bit more about his crappy upbringing and. Uh, for for a book that's chock full of action and monsters, you get a little bit of characterization in there now and again. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like people know how to write comics sometimes. Go figure. This one is also um, not on a good trajectory, folks. I, I feel like we're giving people the bad news about their uh, <laughs> about their uh, plumbing. You know what I mean? I got bad news, folks. You got your new foundation. Uh, so this first issue was October. That was the 89th highest selling with 35,204 copies. Uh, issue number two in November was the 129th highest selling. It pushed 20,096 copies and uh, lost 43% of its market share. Um, December issue number three was the 145th highest selling. Now it's pushing 15,232 copies. I mean, it's 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 sunk below that. And really, even the last one, it's only moving 100 copies over that magic 20,000 mark. Yeah. Now this book does go for four bucks, though. I don't know if that puts it in a different. Maybe it can maybe, maybe it can handle up, cutoff, yeah. up to 15. Whether it can or not, though, by the fourth issue in January, <laughs> it is below that 15. It only lost seven percent though between December and January, which is which is kind of tells you maybe where. 
leveling out a little bit, but uh, then in the fifth issue in February, it sold 12,338, lost uh, 1,845 for a loss of 13%. Um, Maybe it'll stay around there, though, because it does seem to be slowing down the attrition here. Even though there's a big drop between January to February, there's not a big unit drop. Huge unit. There, uh, you know, It's all relative, I guess. It is. <laughs> it is. It is a huge unit drop when you look at when the overall is only going to be 14,000. You lose 2,000, you have walked into a new <laughs> echelon. <laughs> And this one, even more so, people uh, people I, I, I didn't expect that would like a book like this. Because I'll tell you, Chris and I also, by the way, don't go around recommending books. That's we not, can't. like, who, who we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, people uh, people sometimes ask us, uh, or, that you know, when people ask me about they want a book, what they get back are a list of questions. They might, they might, as, I might as well have a questionnaire for them <laughs> to fill out, because I'm so worried, like you, you know. I don't want to yeah. recommend the wrong book. I don't want to, like... I would hate to have someone that wants to get into a comic and then recommend one where they'll never read it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, but people from listening to our segment, they've picked this up and a two of one, they've all come back to say they love they it. Liked it. Uh, yeah. A couple of them, it's like become one of their favorite polls of the month. So mm-hmm. um, this one is a, is a kind of more straightforward, I think as a comic, as an action comic. Sure. But uh-huh. it's the, it's the art I think that pulls it to the out of the center would would you, would you I think, think so. so yeah um and the art was something i almost always have whenever the art is a little bit different than usual comic book art for the first issue i'm i'm a jerk about it and then i, I warm up to it real <laughs> by the third issue i'm, I'm right quick, on board yeah. and i love the art now i think it's great it's, it's great. I, I love the way he renders everything i love he makes some storytelling decisions on the last issue that was so good remember going through that uh yeah, monster's body segmented monster yeah. and uh, and the way he was they were rendering uh, you know, cave and gang, their hallucination, but very subtly. Yeah. Uh, it was really well done. It, this this is a really interesting book, but it also is just a book of blood and monsters and, you know, badassery, you know what I mean? With explosions and, and crazy machines, and it's cool as hell. I, I really enjoy the heck out of it, and I hope they can squeak by at pushing 10,000 copies. This one, I mean... You know, they're going to have the, I think the seventh one is next week, right? Yeah, next week. Yeah, next week. So I would be surprised if this goes past two arcs. Uh, yeah, Probably. I don't know what the plan is. Maybe they, maybe there's going to be something that'll juice, you know, because cause the thing about these, this a book like these is maybe if you can somehow juice another 10,000 out of a month and then, you know. Or if the first trade sells like gang buses. Possibly. You know. It might, Who knows? It, it might spur interest, you know? I mean, the thing is, neither of us are expecting this, this book to go climb up to, you know, six-digit <laughs> numbers. But if we could get it back up to, like, 25 and then buy another three or four months of attrition. Exactly. Now we are comic book publishers, people. That's how <laughs> that's how comic books are made, you know? <laughs> that's basically... So, I, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Cape Carson dies in the next issue only to come back in the 12th issue or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Um, what would you suggest? I, I've, like, you know, I like you. The art is really what jumps out, and mm-hmm. uh, so if you if you if you dig powers, um, I, I think you'll like this. Uh, you know, they it's the art alone because I mean this isn't Bendis writing, yeah. but uh, I think if you have an affinity for that kind of art, you will really enjoy this. Uh, and if you haven't read that old Wild Dog series, which actually is kind of 
tonally similar as far as, it you is. know, just balls to the wall action and, and shooting mm-hmm. shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, you he, know, he does not Punisher shit like that. Like, like, like that's the kind of story it is in a way, although Punisher even is a little more sad than, you <laughs> know, the, the, there's not really a ton of feels in cave cars. It's more just like, whoa, what can we blast this shit out of next? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also even say like, if you're into like, uh, like eighties underground, eighties and nineties underground comics, I'm thinking of dudes like, uh, Daniel Clovis and uh, mm-hmm. gosh, uh, it's, people are like floating through my brain, but I can't I can't think of their names on the spot, obviously. But uh, a bunch bunch of guys from that era, you know, that, the that Hernandez's, were, maybe the Hernandez's, or you know, people that with a kind of a stranger art sensibility, a little little more unusual, a little little less yeah. typical. Uh, you you really might dig this, man. There's almost like elements of collage in it. It's really cool. The coloring is awesome too. Coloring That's is amazing. like half the lifting. Um, it's cool. So I would even just say, if you're a fan of, of comic structure, it's worth it to look at it, get an issue, just to look at the damn thing, you know, help us out yeah. here, folks. Come on. <laughs> Sheesh. We want to read these things. And if you think things. about it, actually read it too. Yeah. That might, while you're there, you might, there, you might as well, <laughs> might as well read it. You paid four bucks while you're there. There you go. But, uh, then we have the redheaded stepchild of our segment at least yes (laughs) mudda panic yeah that's what i always call it (laughs) we got the first three issues came out uh during our uh the time we're looking at here all were written by jody hauser and uh, i believe all three issues were were drawn by tommy lee edwards because uh what's his face sean crystal didn't come on until four yeah um Opening arc was a short one, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, not just because we hated it, but because <laughs> it's nice to see uh, short arcs. It's Absolutely. nice to, uh, you know, because could you imagine if this was uh was written uh, w- w- decompressed? Oh God. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to give it all, you know, give, give away everything that that you'll be talking about, but I think that that was real smart because we're seeing the second arc is and that's kind of filling kind of an origin it? arc. It's filling in a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of telling us so. Again, this is one that might be a really a much better trade read, but I would have to. Uh, assume, yeah. I, but I support shorter arcs every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I support yeah. one-offs. I support two-issue stories. I hate I hate these writing these extended, decompressed six and seven-issue arcs just to fill mm-hmm. up a trade. I, I think it's one of the worst things in, in comics, and that alone, thumbs up. Even though we even though we hated it, I support. Yeah. I support its its the three issuesness exactly. So the, that was good. No, because you know there are some stories that require six issues. There are some stories that require twelve. It's true, but yeah. not every single. Not one. every single one, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that should really be the the exception, right? Don't you think? Yeah. So the rule. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're even at this point. It looks as though the second arc is about to wrap up with a. Uh, that's only going to be another three parter. Because uh, yeah. I, I think they've already solicited the uh, trade, which is going to be issues one through six. So it would make sense that since it's not just one arc, it would be two full arcs. One would hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> unless the next issue is just a giant middle finger, which the, uh, the tone of this book it might be. It's happened before, you know what I mean? No, yes. it do, it does feel. You know, we were reading it. It does feel like it could end easily next. To, you know, this story about yeah. her schooling and whatever her like, you know, secret. Yeah, the the, the gather house. The gather thing, house yeah. thing. So uh, yeah, I. Anyway, we'll see what happens, but I think I think it'll probably end with six. Probably, yeah, because I mean, we're not talking about the the second arc here, but the second arc. 
while it's definitely not something that I would read if I wasn't reviewing it, it's it's less unpleasant. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we're, I mean, we even had a moment where she seemed to break character the last issue where you saw we saw her like feel we saw the weight on her shoulders that kind of kind of bring her to her knees it's like that's not something we expected and it was welcome well you see Um, you know what they've done here is kind of a a typical literary thing that i mm. say i think it'll work well in the trade because you open a book with a protagonist that you hate yeah then through you know learning about that person you can become sympathetic towards them yeah they get redeemed in your eyes that hasn't totally happened first yet but you see it on that trajectory however by making it a monthly, or as we will come to talk about, less than less frequently than monthly, but then sometimes <laughs> more frequently than monthly, also. Yep. So you know, <laughs> um, by doing that, it, it's it's not it's not building up the momentum you need so that you can have that you know basically like you know after reading the first three issues, which you would not have done, but you definitely would yep. not have gone back after. You'd have been like, screw this book, this this hero is a total jerk. I have no interest yeah. in this at all. But if you kept on, you realize that there's a reason for it. Now, does that make her not a jerk? Not really. But anyway, that's uh, more editorializing. <laughs> at, at four bucks an issue. Oh, yeah. By the time you get to like the character, you've already spent 24 bucks. They always, they, tax. You're 100% right about that. You know, there, there is a, you know, money and, and story return mm. that you expect. Frankly, I think one way they could have done it, mm. you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, obviously, you know, Monday morning comic book quarterback can say whatever the, whatever he wants, but uh, you know the first two issues, she's a jerk. She's a mm-hmm. she's a jerk doing seemingly you know selfish heroic things like she was doing. You know what I mean? Basically like you know taking revenge on people, but it, it they happen to also be bad people, so it was you yeah. know it all worked out for the good. But then let's get it right. You know, but don't don't burn too much time. Showing yeah. what a jerk she is, you know what I mean? Like let's let's get into a little bit of a little bit of backstory and and start to start to build some early sympathy so that it it, it can be a slower burn. You know they're not expecting you to, to like see this person that you've come to loathe. And, yeah, exactly. And turn turn your change your mind about her, but uh, I don't know. You know some people seem to love this comic, so it's striking a right chord with some people. With some but, people, sure. And and actually the numbers are better than a lot of these other books. <laughs> Yes, they are. Uh, let's see here. The first issue, uh, we have a uh, this. These are all from Comicron.com here. Okay. Uh, November issue one was the 64th highest selling with 40,990 copies, which I think is the second. Is that the second highest launch? Yeah, it looks like uh, it, yeah, it, it is. is. This is the second highest launch. Maybe it was excitement that we're actually getting a brand new character. Possibly. Uh, that's that's why I was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it really was. It really was something we were like. It could be anything. It could be the best book anything. of the line. It could be the worst book of the line. It turned out to be the latter, but we, we really didn't know. <laughs> also, this does have the Gotham City connection, which might have something to do with this. But it could. It yeah. very well could. Because was the, the was the bat signal in the cover of the first issue? I want to say in the skyline. I mean, they had some variants, so I bet there had to be a okay. variant they used it, but I don't think it was on the main one. On the main one, okay. Uh, the following month uh, was uh, December. Uh, issue number two was the 126th, the 26th uh, highest wow. selling, at 18,642 copies, dropped 55% of the readership. Wow. And to uh, you know, and to strike while the iron's hot, January, no mother panic. Ouch. Um, February issue three was the 151st highest selling, 
at 14,783 copies, dropped another 21% of its readership. Wow. But it's still up there. It's still one of the higher-selling... It's the second highest-selling one, right? Still at this yeah. point. So, uh... Crazy. It's, uh... I, you know, people, like I say, there are people out there that love this book when it comes out. I don't really understand. I can see... we. The more and more we've read it, I think you and I have become more understanding of it not necessarily not not necessarily liking it but being like we're not as mad at it as we were we see yeah we see the merit there was an artist change on the second arc which i think helped me a lot to like just see what the hell's going on a lot of the time Mm. um yeah we've just become more and and realizing like there is an audience for this book it's not us but there is a there is an audience and apparently it's it's about fourteen thousand seven hundred eighty three (laughs) people So, uh, yeah, this one is a tough sell, I would think. I don't know what to really, you know. I think uh, if if you like uh, stubbing your toe or uh, <laughs> cutting yourself shaving, you might like this book. I mean, to some extent, I, if you like Batwoman, you might like it because it has a I've lot of – I've never read that yet. but uh, It has a lot of the similarities to Batwoman in that it's in Gotham City. Not even the woman part, but it's in Gotham City. Kind of a Gotham – gothic sensibility to it right okay you know yeah, kind of yeah. kind of a darkness to it and like this is this is a female character but even though we think she's you know her hallmark is being unlikable but another thing is that she's also not subservient to anyone or anything you know what i mean she is a you know an independent woman she's she's you know what i mean beyond independent she's actually a very wealthy celebrity but you know sure uh you know this is this is not a bat this is not a bat girl you know what i'm saying no she is no, a not. bat woman <laughs> yeah because i i would almost compare it even though there's it only has the gotham city connection but uh that that book that came out by the guy who did 30 days a night uh simon dock uh-huh. was a uh, was a was a gotham story uh came out I want to say 2007, um, but it did feature uh, like a, it was a gothic, uh, similar art style too, a very kind of sketchy art. Hmm. Um, tonally, not 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 terribly similar, but it's what I keep going back to okay. when I read this. It's a it kind of pulls me back to Simon Dock. Okay. Which, uh, uh, not a, not a, not a great thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's I don't, a it's not a ringing endorsement, but I mean, I, I would you know if you're into gothic stories yeah. you know what i mean and uh that that sort of world interests you i mean it's not hp lovecraft it seems very rooted in kind of like a gross underworld you know what i mean of like yeah. uh you know there's a lot painting of with blood, painting yeah. with blood type of stuff and kidnapping children and whatever else all kinds of unpleasant stuff but um it has a gothic sensibility i i would say you could do worse than to give it a look yeah, absolutely. In, you know, we would uh, never tell somebody not to buy something. Exactly, but I would Except never. Except for millennium. <laughs> Don't buy that. Uh, yeah, at any price. But uh, that's where we are with Young Animal. That's and, you it. know, Bug is coming out in like three or four weeks, right? That's the, the all May, rights. right? Beginning of May? I believe, yeah. I think it's the first or second week in May. And there's a lot of a lot of hype about that, and I'm sure that'll that'll do pretty well out of the gate. But the rest of these books, they need help, folks. They need uh, some of them really need serious help. You know that shade is looking pretty, pretty thin on the racks. Big time. So uh, it's and, too bad. If 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 you like this series, you know, let people know. If you like these books, uh, I guess that's the best thing you can really do. And I was actually going to take a picture. I, I, people who know me know that I am always looking through the the quarter and fifty cent bins. Yeah. Always. <laughs> that's kind of uh, my addiction. <laughs> and. Uh, 
young animal is is always in there oh man. i mean i i if, if you live in phoenix arizona and you go to jesse james comics you can get pretty much everything from young animal except for doom patrol for less than a dollar each and it's a great way to try them out if you want it is <laughs> <laughs> this is your chance you want to try them out on the cheap mm-hmm. uh i'll be honest I'll, I'll tell people that might be the, go to your local comic store i'm sure you'll find <laughs> similar deals because especially those first issues like all first issues these days, they came with a bunch of incentivized Very. variants, and there was no legitimate way any store was going to be able to push all those copies. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the another ugly side of the game, as we know. I but, can't uh, see a store selling double digits on on any of these except for Doom Patrol. I, I I'll tell you in my in my comic shop, uh, you know, which is Midtown Manhattan. It's not mid, it's a JHU, but it's right there, Thirty Second Street, hmm. and you would think it has a very whatever, uh, you know, brainy clientele and, you know, all into non-superhero comics. And I've just seen those those racks get thicker and thicker with back issues. Yep. You know what I mean? I think they ordered pretty well on a lot of them, and they have not pushed them. So, you know, this is one place. You know, we, I can't sure. really speak for yeah. the way it is. I'm sure some stores do better. <laughs> yeah, some do better, some do worse. But it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know really what to say about it because... Don't buy it if you don't like it. If you're not interested in it, you know what I mean. Like I'm, I don't want people to, 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 I don't want people to try it. I definitely wouldn't want someone who like whatever loves the Justice League to be like, oh, I love the Justice League. Let me try the Doom Patrol. It's like slow down. It's not really a one to one exchange right there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Chris? What what what, what do you think about the state of, of Young Animal? You just, is it, do you think it can bounce back? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about this a bit. We have a. Uh... We have the hiatus coming up for Doom Patrol, right? Yeah. And that was kind of the straw that stirred the drink here. That's what kind of, even though it's not been coming out every month, it's still it's still the anchor of this of this line. Yeah. And I'm afraid if that goes on hiatus, somehow it's going to affect these other books to where it's like, oh well, the, you know that that whole imprint's not a priority anymore. I, I think it could, yeah. And uh, and I like 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 we've been saying here, I, I said the second story arcs might be the final story arcs, and that's too bad. Yeah, it is. You know, um, they're gonna know. cancel Mother Panic right after we start to like it. I mean, it, that really is Mother Panic, mm-hmm. especially sad because that is a brand new property that wouldn't yep. have gotten a chance, but. You know, not like I, not even necessarily like I expect a book like Shade or Cave to go into, you know, triple-digit numbers. Uh, although that would be nice to see that would again be. someday. But I not like I expected that, but I would have liked to see a little more. I think out of them, maybe like a nice five arcs would have been nice to round out. But mm-hmm. oh well, yeah, like, that's life. <laughs> the old Vertigo thing of uh, what was it, sixty issues, the five-year run. That's uh, that would have been nice. But that would uh, exactly like you know what I mean. And it it makes for a nice, uh, you know, you have your nice you chunk on the shelf. Yeah. You know, you have your you have your arcs within arcs. You know what I mean. You have your overall mm-hmm. story. You know, Sandman is one that works beautifully like that. But uh, absolutely. A uh, bunch of them, a bunch of them work okay like that. But anyway, what are you gonna do? Luckily, Chris and I have been around long enough to see many of our favorite comics go away, so we're not <laughs> too broken up about it. <laughs> I feel It'll like sometimes, right. I feel like sometimes I have I, it's my it's the touch the touch of Reggie does it. You know, if I say I like a book, done. I'm definitely like that on the regular pot. All the books, all the books I read, they they tank. Although, in their defense, they are terrible. There you go. So there is a reason behind that. <laughs> I would. I'm not telling you to go out and read freaking, uh, you know, Hellblazer right now. 
But anyway, we do have some uh, young animal books coming up over the next couple of weeks. Next week, yes. we have Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye number seven, which is going to either start a new arc or conclude a previous arc. We're not sure. I think it's going to start a new arc. I have a feeling. Almost, pr- almost probably. Yeah, yeah almost but, uh, but it did. End, it ended last time with Cave unconscious, and his eye had jumped out of his head to fight that giant brain slug monster. Thing. Yeah. So uh, we'll be definitely looking forward to that. Following week, supposedly... Is Doom Patrol number six? I think <laughs> I think it's going to come out then, and then that, then we're going to be on a hiatus till July when yeah. number seven, which is drawn by Mike Allred and Allred, probably yeah. colored by her, his wife, I'm guessing. Uh, but more more certainly, I think we're going to get Mother Panic number six the same mm-hmm. week as Doom Patrol. So if we and that yeah that would that would end out their trade, their first trade, and their first their second arc. So. Looking forward to that, too, and uh, we'll just take it like it comes, as we always do right here on this here segment, this Hyar, mm-hmm. this Hyar Young Animal segment that we got mm. here. <laughs> but I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. You got anything else for him? No, I think that I think that'll do us. Uh, I, I wonder if in six months we'll be doing another one of these, or if we will uh, be doing a uh, a postmortem. Yeah, or maybe we'll be going over <laughs> the wild storm segment. Who knows what we'll maybe. do? You know, maybe we'll come up with another. We'll, we'll be doing the Hannibal Barra segment. No, we won't. Oh. We will never do the Hannibal Barra segment, folks. No. Anyway, uh, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it young and animalistic. Remember back in the days when niggas had waves, gazelle shades, and corn braids. Pitching pennies, honeys had the hot top jellies, shooting skelly, motherfuckers was all friendly, lounging at the barbecues, drinking brews with the neighborhood crews, hanging on the avenues, turn your pages to 1993, niggas is getting smoked, G, believe me, talk slick, you get your neck slick quick, cause real street niggas ain't having that shit, talking text for rep, smoking blood Once in every lifetime, comes a love like this. Welcome back to the Young Animal segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have a wonderful uh, Young Animal book for you this week. And We've got one? Yeah, we did. We actually got oh. one. This. We don't have to uh, just kind of talk <laughs> about the business side, you know? Um, yeah, you know, we just like to, we just like to get, on, get on the podcast wherever we can. That's all it is, folks. Um, this week we have, starting a new arc, as we've come to find out, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye number seven, written by John Rivera, story by Gerard Way and John Rivera, cover and interior art by Michael Avon Oming, cover and interior colors by Nick Filardi, letters by Clem Robbins, and there is a backup written by Mark Russell, and the art is by Benjamin Dewey. Mm. So this one, the story is titled, Have I Ever Told You the Story of the Time I Met Superman? And this is actually a callback, you remember, from the end of issue five. Cave, you know, they're, they're kind of in a in a dire spot, and Cave remembers or, or pulls out a cell phone with a Superman logo on it. It's like his, his cellular hotline to Superman, but it turns out... Got him on out, speed dial. Exactly, but, that, but it turns out the number was disconnected, which actually made me think, I wonder if that's related to the fact that the Superman... 
now, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to get into the, the complex stuff happening in Action Comics <laughs> Superman Now. But basically, the Superman Now may not be the Superman that knew Cave, you know what I mean? So True. I don't even know if that's a, maybe, also maybe Superman didn't pay that bill. Who knows? Doesn't matter. <laughs> so we uh, we begin with, with a flashback. Uh, back in the good old days, Cave Carson's spelunking team is spelunking on their stolen Mighty Mall. It seems like. Stealing the Mighty Mole from Edward Borstein Mining is not a uh, new thing he just did for recently. It's a uh, long, long-term long habit. Uh, we got an actual team that actually did run with Cave Carson in the Silver Age. We got the clean-cut bulldozer Smith and his pet lemur Lena. We got Christine Madison and her boyfriend, Johnny Blake, who we also recognize as one of that EBX team that jumped over to Caveside who got shot. And uh, they're cruising along, and Lois Lane is is reached them over Mighty Mall's FaceTime screen to ask them for help on behalf of Superman because he's a bit over in his head right now. He is. And then in uh, investigating some seismic activity, Superman found a giant pink crystal bird monster thing. I don't do yeah, a thing monster, <laughs> whatever it <Yes>. is. <laughs> whatever it is, it secretes a a nice a, a nice sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A thick sauce. Uh, Superman's struggling against the beast because it has a shot of kryptonite in its back. You know, they mentioned kryptonite, and I see this pink bird. I thought maybe we were having a, uh, a, red a revisit of, of red or pink kryptonite. Yeah, that would have been cool. I would have been like, yeah, all right. Maybe he'll have to turn yeah. into a gorilla for an issue, but no. <laughs> yeah, why not? It, uh, I think that'd be the first time they'd uh, had a different colored kryptonite since Crisis. I would say so, um, for, yeah. Or, or, or at least referred to it as such because, uh, you know, all that stuff before then never happened. Yeah. Um, now, after Cave's team accesses, accesses the situation, and Superman outright tells him about the kryptonite, Blake sails right over the creature to grab the kryptonite and is thwacked away. Yep. <laughs> real quickly. Uh, Lena the Lima gives it a try, and she's successful. <laughs> you know, why not? Yeah. Uh, a little spry and, little thing just scampering up the side of the monster is no problem. <laughs> And, and Lena is also a, a a character from the Silver Age. Yeah, she was there too. <laughs> I know it's fun. like crazy. I, I I really want to read those comics. I'll tell you what. Absolutely. Now. I'm really interested. Absolutely. I'm. I you know I I wouldn't be surprised if they announced a collection or something. I'd be all right. With um. It, yeah. Or maybe just like a or maybe just the the first issue in uh, in the back of a trade or something. You know, if they if they uh, still did showcase the those collections, this would be a great candidate for that. But anyway, oh, definitely, we'll, definitely. We'll leave that where. Now, <laughs> now uh, Superman's recovering. As the bird uh, advances, Cave runs out to Superman while the mole laser digs a nearby pit. Cave grabs Superman and rolls them both into the pit. Uh, saves them from uh, the, a giant crystal appendage uh, slamming down <laughs> yeah. on them. Uh, with, with a whoop pa crack Yes. <laughs> and now since the uh, kryptonite is out of the way, Superman's powers are back. Uh, the ground collapses beneath them and Superman flies Cave free. Crystal bird falls into the magma below, but... It ain't over yet. Yeah, this is kind of strange, but for whatever reason, it's it uses some kind of sonic blast or make, maybe screams, and it really does a number on Cave and Superman and uh, presumably everybody else. They're all holding their hands over their ears. Uh, they don't see the rest of the team. You just see Cave and Superman. That's why we don't know for sure what's happening to the other guys. But uh, Cave suggests that Superman fly really fast around and around inside the cavern until he breaks the sound barrier and then... Win, I guess. I, you know, for some yeah, reason, Cave seems to know that that this thing is going to be sensitive to that. So Superman does that. He whips around, gaining speed. And while he's going, he knocks some stalactites loose from the ceiling. You know how I remember 
Stalactites versus stalagmites, Chris? I, I wish you'd tell me, because I can't. So tights <laughs> hang on a laundry line. They do. That's how I do it. I don't know. I have, I have no <laughs> idea why that works, but that's literally that's I've had that since I was like 13 years old. I'll never forget that now. <laughs> uh, jo- Johnny Blake has returned to the Mighty Mole after his humiliation of the monster. He banked up his knee, even though he got whacked away from what looked like a 60 foot drop or something. But uh, <laughs> he banged up his knee, feels a little sore. Um, Superman breaks the sound barrier with an Akathum, and this does end up killing this giant crystal monster. But one of the loosened stalactites that Superman knocked loose from the ceiling has pierced Johnny right in the chest, bloodily. <laughs> yes. uh, which is like, whoa, that was not expected. And Cave says aloud, this isn't how it happened. And then Christine, uh, her face splattered with Johnny's blood and perhaps some other chunky bits, uh, she's pretty glad about it. She says, with Johnny out of the way, she and Cave can be together. And, yeah. she, and she goes over and gives him a tongue kiss with some blood-caked lips. Then uh, uh, Cave pushes her away, and now Christine has become his deceased wife, Mazra, who looks very ill and older in, in this scene. This looks like at the end of her life. I got the impression here that maybe she died of cancer or some other disease. Do you think so? Gotta be, yeah. It's gotta uh, be some sort of a uh, degenerative disease. Or I something. mean, the, the, the weird thing that's happening is the thing in her nose is attached to her arm, it looks like. So, this is... Unless unless you know something I don't, I don't believe that's a proper medical IV, I don't think so. but uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I definitely get the impression this is how, this is his memory of her, is with, with like tubes in her face and her arm, you know what I mean? And looking mm-hmm. very skinny. Anyway, it, whatever it is, though, you know, he's obviously, this is not a flashback anymore, folks. This is some sort of a hallucination or yeah, some something's going on. Cave grabs at his wife, his ex-wife. Uh, she turns to dust in his hands and sort of like sifts away. A crystal block sort of sprouts up behind him and inside of it is Bulldozer cradling a sick or dead lean in the lemur. And uh, I guess Bully doesn't make it to the present day either. He says, you know, essentially you let us all down, Cave, and you're a, you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's got all these failures behind him here. Yeah. And uh, he also has someone else behind him. <laughs> Superman creeps up and tells Cave that selfishness is okay. <laughs> <laughs> We get a full-on look at Superman, which uh, this is this might be the uh, the panel of the book here. Yeah, it's a uh, like a his face is turned into like a black hole almost, and uh, there's these like wild tendrils coming out of it. Um, it's really and, it's know, really weird, you know. And I, it it, is. it's juxtaposed with this super majestic Superman torso pose, like yep. this just a perfect <laughs> Superman, and then just crazy stuff streaming out of the face. It's really weird. It is. It's a, it's a great page. Uh, uh, now, you know, we're for sure now that this is no flashback. Uh, this has got to be some kind of a Borstein-infused fever dream. Yeah. Uh, Cave is being digested by Borstein, <laughs> passing through his fairly linear digestive tract. Uh, you know, in, in cartoons, it's just a few lines. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. It doesn't, twist, doesn't, doesn't fold back on itself as much in a no, cartoon. No, no, no. Uh, now, as he does, he sees images of his daughter, Chloe, and all the times that he's disappointed her. Um, he's also, you know, he talks about how he, he gave up on her when she wasn't just like him and mm-hmm. uh, how he lost interest and stuff like that. Uh, Edward also provides some narrative to further crush Cave's spirit as if he needed it. Yeah. Um, then Superman rips open Borstein's gullet and saves Cave from becoming poop. Uh, <laughs> Superman explains to Cave that he needs to own his failures but never stop trying. More or less, you know, saying, learn from your mistakes and, and grow. Mm. Uh, Superman flies him away from the scene and says a pretty awesome line. He says, because, uh, you know, 
Cave's like, it's easy for you. You're Superman. He's like, well, Superman isn't my name. It's my challenge. I, I really like that, you know. I mean. It's a good line. It's it's as many ways to look at Superman. This this attitude is one of my favorites. It, it, this might be like the line of the year for Superman, and it's not even in his book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's in a book that 9,000 people are going to read. <laughs> uh, Superman further tells Gabe to face his fears and don't, uh, don't let them take over. Don't be a slave to those fears. Uh, he then uh, chucks Cave directly at Borstein's pulpy to the vaginal orifice like a dot, and uh, Cave soars toward it, fist extended. Yep, it looks like he's ready to take it out, but then in the next on the next page, he wakes up in the darkened room of a hospital, and one of those renegade EBX staff that had come down originally with uh, Johnny Blake, he's trying to mm-hmm. he's trying to sneak a cigarette right there in this room. Looks like almost like a I guess it's a hospital room, but it almost looks it's so disheveled, looks like a storeroom or something. Yeah. Uh, Cave has an IV in his arm and a bloody bandage around where his right eye was. That was the cybernetic one, if you remember, that popped out of his face to tangle with the Bornstein brain thing last issue. So that is not resolved. He is eyeless still. That was that was one question I definitely had about this. Uh, Cave asks for Chloe, then thinks better of seeing her right away. I think that dream must have messed him up, you know, confronting all of his failings uh, in regards to his daughter. Yeah. Uh, they go outside with with the help of this other guy. They do give his name, but I don't feel like remembering it. Uh, they uh, with with the help of this guy takes him outside, and outside is total chaos. It looks like ten brainiacs came through and just wrecked this place. There's rubble everywhere, smoke pluming out of the streets, and wrecked cars and broken buildings all around. Wild Dog is squatting on the roof of a police car nearby, as you do. Yes. Chloe runs out from somewhere. I don't know. She comes out of nowhere, and she's glad to see her dad awake. He's been unconscious for a week. Mm. That I did not expect. You know, I no. was like, "Whoa!" They've been traveling around, essentially keeping on the keeping on the run and keeping on the road. They've come back to their home city, which I can't remember if it ever had a name. Do you remember? Chris? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I was thinking of that myself. Yeah, it's Carson Town. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but this city has been absolutely destroyed and is in the thrall of a massive, hovering, and now purple Edward Borstein slimy lung beast. No longer a brain beast. No, more of a lung or even like a liver, right? Yeah, it's it, kind of it's <laughs> very. It, and it's funny you mentioned Brainiac because it is like a like a pulpy biological Brainiac mm-hmm. uh, ship. In a way, yeah, uh, it, it does kind of have that same kind of shape and the shape, yeah, yeah, yeah not not so much the aesthetic, but the shape. It's really, uh, yeah. So, wow, this is where we are with the story now, and this is it escalated. Uh, yep. This this really took me by surprise. Uh, we'll go through the backup real quick here. Yes, it is the wonderful world of rocks with Professor Mark Bartow. I, I don't know that he's actually a professor. I don't think um, so. <laughs> this is an excerpt from what we we're, we're over about ninety percent sure this is a fake geological. Yeah, record. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, what is the name of it? I forget. Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Rock on Magazine, Volume Two, Issue One, April nineteen. Nothing. No, it's a secret. Yes. Uh, so what this thing is? Uh, did you read it, Chris? I don't know if you got into it. I read a bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's like a funny eulogy for a colleague of of, of I presume Professor Barstow, and how in the eulogy he you know he's trying to say all these nice things, but he's actually saying he's boring the hell out of the crowd with like yeah pe- pedantry and and also kind of with some backhanded compliments. It's not terrible. It's not it's not like unfunny but no one's gonna read this thing you know nobody nobody no one, I, I defy 
you know, <laughs> ten people to write into the show and tell me they read the whole thing. I, give me a break, and and don't read it now. You know, come on, be honest. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a horrible thing, but it's like those those text stories you used to see in old comics to keep that postage rate. Yeah, you, yeah, nobody read those. No one read those, you know what I mean? I, I think I tried to read those maybe half a dozen times. I never finished one. I was always like, get out of here with this. Yeah. No. So, um, and it's a Bane coloring book page and the who's oh, who cool. about Forge of the Bugs. So, all right. Yeah. Four pages of who gives a shit and that's uh, whatever. But the main <laughs> cave story I liked a lot. Uh, Absolutely. Besides liking the general conceit of... You know the continuation of last issue that okay a week has elapsed it's things have gone badly you know things have gone mm-hmm. poorly all around and uh you know what's going to happen next it really did surprise me i thought we were going to get a flashback issue of yeah, like of like, like an adventure a uh straight up flashback yeah yeah just like a the like a, exactly the adventure of when cave met superman but it wasn't when it made that turn when uh christine tried to kiss or actually did kiss uh yeah cave. when the, the stalactite went through what's his face is uh that was yeah johnny's chest that was the first side i was like and, and cave saying that's that one's supposed to happen but mm-hmm. hey for all we know maybe you know maybe they put him under the purple ray <laughs> you know a lot of ways <laughs> a lot of ways you could fix a stalactite to the chest in a comic book this so is true not that big <laughs> but uh but yeah, I mean, the very next page is you get the uh, it starts to take a turn. A blood caked kiss, yeah. So it was uh, really, uh, you know, to be surprised by a comic was really, really I enjoyed it. Besides that, I liked the characterization of Superman outside of Borstein, even though it wasn't even the real Superman, you know. So this yeah. is this is all in Cave's dream. This 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 didn't really happen, at least not this way. Uh, yeah. I, I just I love that they they brought the I know they could have made up any characters for this, but they actually used they dug into the Silver Age and, and pulled you know Bulldozer and the Lemur and yeah. Christine out and even Johnny Blake who uh, I think he appeared a few years later uh, in the Silver Age, but he was still part of the team. So it's a uh, just wild that they're doing that. I, I've been very pleased with how they've been digging back because we even talked about in Shade where. They met, they're going back to like the Ditko yeah. continuity. Yeah, they're they awesome. paying a lot of respect. Oh, Doom Patrol also, you know what I mean? It's definitely, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Definitely closest Absolutely. to the Morrison run, but there's there's a nods to every run Everything. in there, and uh, they really are treating all these properties carefully. Cave is the one that we are the least knowledgeable about, but <laughs> yes. you know I can definitely. I mean, I, you know, I just mean us personally, you know, but uh, but I could, I definitely, you know, we do we look into it, and I definitely totally respect that they are creating a line between that you know late 60s cave carson yeah. and this one and it's uh it's awesome to see it really is um yeah i just i really enjoyed the, the heck out of this issue i really didn't have a bad thing to say about it. looking at it now i gave it a score of 8.5 out of 10 i think i, I could have gotten nine i don't know why i didn't i don't know why i didn't pull the trigger I think I'm right in there with you. Yeah. Because my only complaint is the is a stupid one that I, I that I that people like me have, and it's that uh, in the Silver Age uh, flashback sort of thing, Superman didn't have the trunks. Ah, uh, yes. There you go. That's interesting. So yeah, they should have at least <laughs> they should have at least put it there, and then maybe not in the end part when it might have in been the end you part, know yeah. when they were faking a modern one. Although yeah, I gotta but, I gotta say. Uh, Oming made this new suit look not so bad to me. Look great. I like the way it looks. It looks it looks totally official. But yeah, you're right. This should have had the trunks. Maybe that was a sign. 
you well, know, I early think on. I think they're actually old. retconning the trunks out from ever existing because uh, oh, wow. that the latest issue of Action Comics had uh, had a, a pastiche of him doing the Kryptonite Nevermore pose, and he didn't have the trunks there either. Oh, all right. So I don't know if they're just that never happened, but. Uh, we know it did. We know it did. Well, you can, you know, if you have the issue, you can go in and draw the trunks, but uh, I, I might. You might have to. But it's, uh, <laughs> get my color forms out. But, but you know, overall, a, a great issue. I think, oh, fantastic! I think great for those of us that have been reading it. This was a real great payoff. Um, it's probably the best one of the run so far. And I yeah. think you could jump in now. Although I can't imagine if you jump in now and you like it, you're gonna want to read the the first six anyway. So why don't? Oh, don't yeah. Don't hurt yourself. Just go read those first six, and then come, you know, you can read this one. The it will be, be interesting to see, uh, to see when we when we do our next State of the Union about how the sales on this go because Superman is on the cover. I'm that's, wondering if that'll if that's going to help. That's a good point, and and also um, I'm wondering if this is going to get a bump because of trade because, uh, you know, if it's following a Vertigo model. <laughs> Vertigo had become, especially by the you know late '90s, early 2000s, really a trade publisher more. You know what I mean? Like they they yeah, the they, single served the trade exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm trying to phrase it. Yeah, so we don't know if that's going to happen here. Uh, I don't know if people are trade waiting. I'm not. We're not obviously. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, maybe people are, and maybe after the trade, you'll see a bump in the singles. It doesn't usually happen that way, but. Stranger, stranger, things, stranger have things have happened, right, Chris? <laughs> I, you know. Uh, so yeah, I'll be interested to see going forward. But you know, I tell you, I I, I actually recommended this this one to Jim because Jim's kind of wanted to jump into the Young Animal, mm. and he said he's tried to read that first issue of Doom Patrol a handful of times. He can't get into it. I'm like, I understand. It's not. Then I really thought about it. I was like, you know, Cave might be your bag because it is kind of. It does definitely have a psychedelic bent to it. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we th- jumped into it not knowing who he was. Not knowing anything, so, I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't you don't need to come in with, exactly, you don't have to have read any, you know, Morrison run or the old, you know, Shade books. Um, and it, and it's just, you know, on its surface, it's just fun. It's just him f- firing lasers at monsters and wild dogs yep. shooting people's faces off and <laughs> running around and intrigue. And, you know what I mean? It, it's just like, a, it's just a fun book on its face, so... Um, spread the word, folks. Let them know that this is a book. Don't be afraid just because it has cave in the title. Yes. I assume that's what, or is it the cybernetic eye? I'm not sure what people, what turns people off. But anyway, we do have two solid weeks of Young Animal books coming up, Chris. Can you believe it? Holy smokes. Next week, we have Doom Patrol number six and Mother Panic number six, hey. which should close out the arcs on both of them. For Mother Panic, that'll be the second three-part arc and then yeah. uh the following week is shade the changing girl number eight which i'm real excited to read yeah we don't know if that's a continuation or the start of a new arc who knows uh, how it ended last time the, i mean the, for this so it was shade that issue was sort of more of a one-off it continued you yeah. know what i mean but it really was like the origin of of loma mm-hmm. uh so we'll see what the next one brings or you know is it going to be Shade, shade going cross country. Uh, we don't know. So yeah. is she on the run? Is she she under the gun? Who knows? I am. I am looking forward to it, and that way we don't have to come up with something else to fill the space. We can just read the <laughs> comics. So uh, I think that's all we got for him this week, Chris. You got anything else for him? I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it young and animalistic. <laughs>